Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking about fences and probably some La La Land extras. So much stuff here doesn't even mean that we have to like you. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi, how are you? Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie <laughs> various mm-hmm. movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free movie review, then jump back to other fun movie topics. This is episode 269-269. That is the, the first one of the new year. It is the first one of the new yeah. year. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! <laughs> Was that a sound effect or was that a real? <laughs> so that sounded really real. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite noise machine making noise. Oh, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> it's that soundboard we still can't afford. <laughs> That's what that was. It's been five years. We still can't afford anything. <laughs> can't afford a soundboard. <laughs> we do it. We do it for the love. <laughs> anyway. That was just one burst. Imagine if that keeps happening, which I'm sure it probably might will. Probably might. Might will. will. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We can't afford soundboards. Don't, don't think the grammar boards are that much easier to afford. Um, Get some white cards. And so <laughs> it is a new year. It is the first Out Now podcast of 2017. Yeah. I haven't used that sentence yet beyond saying happy right. 2017. Well, there we are. I got to start writing that too. Instead of sixteen, I got to write seventeen. That I, I write the dates on all that homework I don't have to do anymore. The great news is, great phone will automatically <laughs> no, write updates. Well, anyway, this week on Out Now, we're discussing uh, the new Denzel Washington film, and that's like a, that's like a hat trick for him. The new Denzel Washington directed, produced, and starring film Fences, based off the Pulitzer Prize winning August Wilson play. And and we're also going to get into some La La Land spoiler talk later on in the episode as well. I know we've been. Uh, Teasing that as a, as a plan for uh, the future. Um, but joining us today to talk fences, um, we have some special guests here. We have from the Newport Beach Film Festival. Uh, she will not lend you $10. It's Miss Anna Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> and also joining us all the way from Las Vegas, where three of us are live recording right now, uh, we have my own mother, Miss Denise Denmark. Happy New Year, podcast podcast listeners. Hi. 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 Here. I'm here. We're here with us on a on a pilot. Like, We're gonna have a live like a se- Mom's Movie Minute. It's not even just like a separately recorded Mom's Movie Minute. It's not like uh, like she chimed in for, but she's here on the episode with us. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. You should be excited. I'm very. Excited. I have my lovely girlfriend here. I have my mother here. I have Abe here. I, got, <laughs> I was gonna wait for the superlative for mine, but all right. You're your own superlative. Oh. That's why in high school you had the yearbook. You said most Abe. Oh. <laughs> what a swell guy. I like, I like Most Abe. I think I was the only guy named Abraham. <laughs> that's why you were the most. It all adds up to me. And that's why he had a burrito named after him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah okay. Up. I'll accept uh, it. We're going to be talking fences. Uh, we're going to get into some other fun stuff, too. But let's get to some uh, show notes stuff real quick here. Um, it is a new year, and that's that. Uh, also, what 
else? There is our we had our commentary from last month, which is currently on out on iTunes. Uh, our Star Wars Episode Two commentary track. You can find that. And now that it's January, um, we'll have to find a new movie to do a commentary for sometime in the month. Uh, that should be fun. We'll figure something out. It probably won't be anything Underworld or Resident Evil related because why? Um, <laughs> this is true. But, yeah, exactly. Um, what else? Um, iTunes reviews and ratings good to get those helps out our show helps other people find our show if you want to log on to iTunes search for out now and it'll just fill in the blank from there like you search if we're right out it'll like iTunes knows our show well enough where it'll just fill in the blank from there so you've already so you already saved yourself a couple seconds so you'd be like well that was easy already I might as well keep going through with this process of clicking on our show this is giving true. us a star rating and then writing up a little like because all the letters you saved writing out now there today you can spend more of that time writing the review for our show that you want to praise or not you pra- i don't you write whatever you want about it but anyway mathematical very formulas we always love uh, anything yeah anything oh, thanks i like i like that it's a new year so i had to spend the extended amount of time talking about how useful itunes reviews and ratings are i will oh, it'll be much shorter i noticed that so it's come but it felt very necessary to extend that conversation <laughs> out because it'd be nice to get some new reviews it's a new year we should get some new reviews right Abe? this is true we're gonna be reviewing new movies that's, that's, yeah, Monster Trucks is only a couple yeah. weeks away. Guys. Oh, no. Starring uh, MacGyver himself, Scott Summers. Starring MacGyver, yes. Young Alex Summers. MacGyver yeah. is in Monster Trucks. Yeah, Alex Summers from yeah. the X-Men. The X-Men's. Uh, what else? Let's see. I uh, We uh, had some contests uh, last year. That's fun to say, last year. And um, I did mail those prizes out uh, just before the holiday. Um, and I know um, listeners, uh, Tyler and Justin, they did get those prizes, and they were very receptive of them, which is great for them. But yes, we will be doing more common, more uh, more contests um, in the new year. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, feel, uh, feel free to enter them because they're very easy to win, and they're a lot of fun, and you get cool prizes. So you know, it works out. Very easy to win, and you're probably gonna win. Congratulations to them. I'm glad, yeah. and I'm hoping they all had a you know happy Merry Christmas and happy holiday season, happy New Year's, and all of that. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's going to do it for the... Well, no, Anna, you're right here huh? with us. <laughs> you know, you're the director of interns at the Newport Peach Film Festival, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're correct. <laughs> so what's up? Any, uh, any, uh, <laughs> any further advertisement you'd like to make about joining the Newport Beach Film Festival in some capacity? Well, I think it is because it's the new year, so it's going to be spring, and we have a need for a spring intern. So if you're in the area and you want to... You know, intern or volunteer with us, you can email at intern at newportbeachfilmfest.com and set up an interview. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to the 18th annual, so Great. get them in. Okay. I'm, I'm just hoping that someone emails me and they're like, I was listening to Out Now with Aaron and I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> I want somebody to, does. I like, I mean, like pick you up from work. And you're, you're like, I had an interview today. Guess who came in? So and so from such and such. Right, that listens to your podcast. Have you been to such and such California, by the way? That's a great town. I have I been know. there. It's it's really scenic. It's really beautiful. Yeah. It's a quaint it's little town. Yeah. Definitely, any listeners out there, if you're in the area, humor me and just come in. Humor <laughs> me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. For sure. Okay, let's uh, let's get in, let's get into let's do some know everybody. We're each week we ask each other a question. Uh, Around the panel, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to no, no everybody. That was good. That was pretty good. That was good. I'll I give like it that. Pass. That was good. I, you were there too, and we were all <laughs> you're on video today, so we can like see each other, so it kind of worked better. Is he wearing a turtleneck? No, it's just oh, a jacket that's zipped up. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a pre. That's a preview for our quickies. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a question. Okay. I think this is a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite Denzel Washington performance? Training Day. Yes. Yes. Now I know. Like, go. I want you to go into that for a second because I know you're not like the you're not the biggest Denzel fan no, as a I'm whole, not. but you do like him when he gets a little darker. I do. For some reason, he just comes across as, as more more real. It seems like. I hate to say this, and it doesn't sound nice, maybe, but his his darkness it seems like that's who he really is in real life because it comes across so real and so easy. He's just that good. Well, if he's just that good, you know that's he's Denzel better. Washington. I hope it's only he's just that good. But like when he was bored, he's like, "Your name is Denzel Washington because you're going to be a great actor." Like that, who, whose name is Denzel Washington? That's not a great like that. Just seems like a person that is like. When people go back, like you look back in history, you say like Spencer Tracy's like that seems like a great actor. People are going to go back. Okay. People are going to go back to the future now. They're like Denzel Washington. He must have been a great actor. That's it. I never thought about it. Like that. But I, I just, I just, I liked him in that movie as as dark as it was, and I don't like the reason it won the Academy Award, or he won the Academy Award portraying it. But I guess he obviously was just that good. And so anyway. That's true. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Denzel? I think I would go with I wish you had more time. <laughs> Man on fire. Yeah. I mean, that's a was good it because one. he was on fire? Yeah. And you really Which is another darker that. performance. He plays a, a, a dark hitman character, and I agree essentially. With, yeah, I agree. Because, like, it definitely, his his role, like, we're going to talk about fences, and it's kind of siding on both, like, being. He's doing bad things for bad. a good cause, right. essentially. But, like, it's true, like, what your mom is saying, how, like, his character, like him as an actor, it just kind of brings it out more, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Kieran Candidate. What else? I'm gonna just go on a more light, hearty note. But remember the Titans. Remember the Titans is a good one. You know, one. it's I like that one too. I like no fun role. anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> Little skinny Ryan Gosling in that movie. Yeah, skinny Ryan Gosling. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't dancing as much. More football. Hey, what about you? Philadelphia. Yeah? Mustache Denzel. That's why. Explain this to me like I'm a four-year-old. <laughs> but really, mustache and sandwich-eating Denzel, those are great performances. Aside from everything else that he's done. But really, I, I think it'd be like when I was first introduced to him with uh, Crimson Tide. And that is like... It's a really intense role, but at the same time, uh, it just... Uh, playing alongside Gene Hackman... Who I think is an is also an amazing actor. I think it just brings out a lot uh, in the performance. But yeah, Mustache Denzel I enjoy. But yeah, Crimson Tide, which has a whole litany of, of actors in it, a whole bunch of character actors. So there you go. There's a, there's a lot for me to separate. I when you, when it, but I have to like boil it down to performance. I mean, I kind of tend to say like Malcolm X is a given for me. Yeah. Like I think it's just like yeah. he's. Yeah. That that seems like the quintessential Denzel performance when I think of Denzel Washington. Like that's the like. That everything else is under that. Which is, by the way, the one I think he should have won the award. Oh for. yeah, mm-hmm. it was. And it was. <laughs> and it was. It was Al Pacino for *Sense of a Woman* that year. It was like, like your, we have your this favorite three, movie. We have this three-hour like epic from Spike Lee about Malcolm X, which he's amazing in, and then like Al Pacino, if I'm, just gets an award because he's been acting a long time. So why not it's for this one where he says "hua." Um, <laughs> but uh, besides, I mean, besides they, not, he played great alongside Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from Malcolm X, and that, yeah, you you all named great performances as well. I really like those ones. I really like the Hurricane. I think he's terrific in that uh, Hurricane, yeah. and like a movie where 
it it plays around with like the actual history of the character as of Ruben Hurricane Carter, but like the mm. the performance he's giving, I think, is really terrific. He gets that, you know, he gets those Denzel monologues. Where he's like, I've been locked that? up in here yeah. for forty years. Like, it's just like it's really great stuff. Nineteen ninety nine. Who was the uh, who was nominated for an Academy Award? Best that was Kevin Spacey that uh, year. Ah, okay. Ninety nine. Again, anyway, another talk. And like uh, yeah. that was also uh, let's see what uh, Roberto Benigni, I believe, Robert, was up yeah, there. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was the year Roberto won. That was the year. Well, let me talk about that because they didn't they didn't they both win. So yeah, that was the year before. Up there. I'm thinking Roberto Benigni. It was ninety eight. Like then, yeah, then Kevin Spacey was uh, American View. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, right. But yeah, all right. Cool. Hey, did you have a question? Yes, I did. Do you have a favorite uh, play that you enjoy? A favorite play? Yeah. Or it could be by reading it or sitting in there and watching it. Favorite plays offhand? My favorite play? Goodness. I've seen... Um, wow. Um, well, I'll start off. Okay. My favorite is A Doll's House. By Ibsen, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's you know all plays are three basically three acts and everything. But uh, did you want me to talk about it? No, no. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So I would go with the Doll's House. Nice. I'm gonna go with. God, there's so many. I, I've there. seen quite a few plays, but I like Dinner with Andre. Yeah, my dinner with Andre. Yeah, nice. my din- I like my dinner with Andre. No sp- particular reason. It was just um, you had to really pay attention because it was just around. It was just a table and four men, and that's it. Okay. And it was uh, it was really good. <laughs> I um, I don't get enough plays. I know we. I have to take out the plays more. <laughs> Like I've, I've, you know, I've read like you know lots of Shakespeare and stuff, and in school and what have you, and like just basic reading. But I'm like trying to think of like a favorite, which because I always just want to go like just straight to like West Side Story again because it yeah. is technically a play, sure right? It is. It's a musical. So I'll stick with that for now. Yeah. If I think of something as we go along, we'll just shout it out randomly as we do on the yes, show. Yes, that's mm-hmm. a, that's no con- with no context. Just shout yeah. it out randomly. And move on from there. Exactly. But uh, no, I, I'd love to see more plays. I mean, I'm sure those. I'm sure Santa's Hamilton tickets are about to come to us any day now. The Cotton Club? Cotton Club. That was good. Okay. Cool. All right. Very good. (laughs) You said we shot it out right now. No, no, yeah, exactly. No, that's great. (laughs) You're falling into the... There's there's plenty of guests that have been on here plenty of times that don't get the rules of our shows. (laughs) (laughs) Probably because we keep rewriting them every week. But yeah, sure, I, I do like a, I, I like David Mamet quite a bit, um, uh-huh. and I'm sure his I mean Glengarry Glenn Ross is a play. Well, I'm say, yeah, there you go. There's one right there. Glengarry Glenn Ross, great one. Uh, but I have a big Mamet fan. I'd love to see more Mamet, you know, like plays. Um, but all right, that's how you play. Nobody. Nobody. That was good too. At the, I, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Actually, every time I do that, I'm gonna think of the little the, the toot toot. And, yeah, the toot toot from Zootopia. Zootopia. <laughs> <It's> like, <"What?" laughs> 
Give her a two. When, when his son, who wants to be an elephant when he grows up. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't seen Zootopia yet. Oh my Is gosh, that, we should watch Zootopia. Watch Zootopia. Yeah. Zootopia. Oh okay. my gosh. That's what we're doing after. <laughs> yes. Plans are set for after the podcast. <laughs> they <laughs> sound <laughs> riveting. Which will surely come up again on next week's episode <laughs> for various reasons. All right. Let's get into town now, quickies. Tim? Each week and out now, we have a new movie that we're going to talk about, but we also have a movie series during the week. That was excellent this week. TM. Well, if I, you, can, you can see me on camera. I had my. I was. I know. I was you were doing, concentrating, I and I was just like. I was listening for the enunciation and pronunciation, and yes, that was excellent this week. Any other thing that rhymes with enunciation? Yeah, I got it. Okay. <laughs> Fun-ciation. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I have. I finally got a chance to watch Captain Fantastic, and I thought it was very good. Um. I think that the the first two acts are probably better the the stronger much yeah. stronger than the the last act, which isn't that it's terrible. It's just that there's a lot of other characters introduced, and it it feels like it kind of just falls off with some of the other characters that were introduced. Um, but with that being said, I enjoyed the message that was being conveyed through the movie. And when I looked up who wrote and directed it, which is uh, Matt yeah. uh, Matt Ross Matt Ross, I was like, oh, that guy from American Psycho that keeps on. Touching Patrick Bateman? I was like, yeah, and, uh, it's Sil- that guy. In Silicon Valley. Yeah, but uh, on the whole, I thought that, uh, again, the first two acts, incredibly strong. Uh, it, it's a very moving film, um, but I kind of wish that there was a little bit more closure with yeah. uh, uh, what's-his-face's character. Uh, who's the, who's the, no, who's the actor? The kids? Uh, no, not the kids. Uh, the father-in-law. Frank uh, Langella? Frank Langella's character. Yeah, I kind of wish that there was... A little bit of a of a cleaner close with that, because um, th- there's something that happens that is just very. Uh, it just helps I know what you mean. further I know, the story I, I, along. I, but... I completely agree with you, like, because I really and I think Vigo's great in it. I, mean, I think Vigo's fantastic in it, and his his uh, his love for his body is on display here as it was in Eastern Promises. Maybe a little bit more prominent here. But yeah, it's a. Uh... It is quite good until the at the end. I think it just kind of doesn't quite hit it home, but I think yeah, it is yeah. a very good movie. Mother. Yes, son. <laughs> what uh, what movies have you seen recently? Besides Fences, obviously. Oh, goodness. I I know you watch a lot of Netflix. I watch right? a, lot of, a lot of Netflix, and I just, when you said that, I drew a blank, and I still haven't been able, I don't even know, I can't, I need the Netflix in front of me, <laughs> but. I can actually make that happen. <laughs> so while, while that's happening, Anna, how about. What what have you what have you been watching lately? Uh, let's see. Well, I know on last week's show you guys talked about Home Alone. Uh oh. So we definitely <laughs> that was the thing, and I'm with you, Abe. Yeah. Home Alone all the way. It's a great you know, it's movie. You know, so funny. Like those lines in those movies are just like ridiculous. I was talking to Aaron. We went on a hike, and I was saying how like this movie is not that great, but I still like it. Like as an adult now looking at this film, I'm like okay, you have this young boy. He's left at home. And, like, in the first one, the police come over to see if he's okay. Do you, know, it's like, you know what they say? They say, the house looks secure. Tell them to yeah. cut their kids and check again. <laughs> I know and all yeah. these lines from Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it's still fun. I think when we were watching it, I still had fun with it. And I don't know why Aaron wants to talk about Home Alone 3. Cause well, he says that it's not bad, right? So He says that. I mean, I guess at some point I may sit down with him and watch it, but I like to just, you know, enjoy the first and the second one. Let's see, what else did I've seen? Fences recently with Aaron and his mom, and The Muppets. The Muppets? Yeah, so we watched The Muppets, yes. The Muppets. I've never the, seen the, the Muppets. The... Yeah, she never saw The Muppets, apparently. 
the 2000 2012 top 10. Yeah, the 2012, 2012 top 10 movie. list movie. And no. I'm just okay. like, I've never seen it either. It's great. Yeah, it was a fun <laughs> romp. It's so much fun, but like, I can't believe that Man or a Muppet is an Oscar-winning oh, song. I know. <laughs> All those songs are catchy in the movie, though. All those songs are fantastic. Yeah. Yes, Man or Muppet. Am I a Met? Brit, Brit from Flight of the Concords has an Oscar for that song. Yeah. Sheldon. Sheldon. Is, what's his name? Jim Parsons? Yeah, with Walt, Walter's Muppet, well, Walter's human is, surrogate is, 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 is Jim Parsons. Yeah. She, oh, was, she was very surprised by this. I was just like, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of terrific cameos in the movie as well. It's just, it's just great. Um, oh, I just had my tip of my tongue. What was going to be my movie? Oh, my uh, Black Mirror, the TV show. Croke, <laughs> no. uh, Con Air. You watch Con, Con Air. Air? Con Air, I watch it every time it comes on. It's, 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 <laughs> it's a C, I don't know. It's probably the one-liners in that movie, which you're looking at ugly all day. <laughs> I just love it. I just <laughs> I like that we've gone from my dinner with Andre and the Cotton Club to Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very ex- eccentric, um, not eccentric, eclectic, eclectic person. <laughs> what I like. It's very fitting that you guys are also in Las One Vegas right now. Together. Yeah, but yeah, Con Air. Okay. The only reason, you know, what I just saw, it just came on the other day. Yeah. And that's why it wasn't even on Netflix. It was mm. on You're like what? Nick Cage and all that hair. Time to watch Con Air again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, the, and then the whole. He's got the whole world yep. in his hand with the teacup. Yep. Oh, and the little girl. And the, I, it's just, it's just. Steve Buscemi had a great run in that those couple of years because he had like Armageddon going on and. and well, he yeah, yeah, he was like he had the Jerry Bruckheimer contract going, so he just oh, kept yeah. popping up in those movies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I love it. Yeah. That's, that's the only, of all the millions of movies I've watched, it's the one that sticks out of my head. I'm sad. But, but anyway. It's a fun movie. We should be had like that, any of the Coen brothers going. So he was just like, all, he just had like a, a wide range that's of right, movies. That's right, yeah, yeah. And then you think you think you'd want to see more Steve Buscemi? That is true. And then I saw why more is this of guy him. that's hilarious in this terrible movie? That's yeah, that is say. true. <laughs> I was actually just watching something about Armageddon yesterday, and they were saying that NASA screens it to show you how many errors there are uh, they in show, space yeah, they flight. Sh- they show it. They show it to like new recruits, right? And they, they they ask him to identify all the mistakes in Armageddon, right. and they keep coming up with new ones every time they screen it for new recruits. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of new recruits, I thought, I like Men in Black too. Yeah. That's another one that's my own. I like that movie favorite. a lot. Yeah. As goofy as it is. You're talking about the first one, right? The first one. Yeah. Yes. I can watch. I can rewatch that movie anytime as well. I'm the little dog. Fan. I love the dog. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, had a few. Th- I mean, we this Home Alone thing is going on apparently, but we <laughs> yeah we watched the Muppets, which yes it holds up terrifically well. I'm very happy to keep watching that one. Um, we've been watching uh, Troll Hunters, the TV um, or the show on Netflix, right? Netflix. Yeah, the Netflix TV show. Yeah, I mentioned that last week, but we've yep. gone more episodes in. That's just it's fun. It's a fun like anime like in. It's you so write, much fun. You write, oh, it reminded me. It reminded you. Or it's very reminiscent of something like Gargoyles. Um, it's on Netflix? Yeah. It's an anime, it's a CG animated show. Guillermo del Toro created it. Um, Check that out. And it, it's, it's, and it looks great. Yeah. Talk about the colors, like the uh-huh. colors in that. Like it almost plays like if it's a film mm-hmm. because of the colors. It's just so vivid. It's great. 
And then, like, the late Anton, like, he's doing really well as a young teenager. Yeah. His voice acting. Yeah, Anton Yelchin's, like, the lead voice. And uh, and Kelsey Grammer's in there as, like, the Obi-Wan type mm-hmm. character. Oh, okay. And Ron Perlman's evil because that's Ron Perlman in right, these movies. But... <laughs> so we have the amulet. But we just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, yet. yeah. Anton Yelchin's character <laughs> has like an amulet. He's become a troll hunter, and now we're exploring more of these troll hunting worlds. Because we just went to the world. Yeah. Like what? The third episode? It, it was cool. It reminded me of like you remember at like Hellboy two, they go to like the troll market. Hmm. It, it's as if he's like he's co-opted that idea again to bring it into this show about trolls. So mm-hmm. like, but it's like, like the 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 town that they're in is pretty like you know like generic urban town. Then they go inside the troll world, and it's like this whole, you know, crazy new world they go into. It's, it's fun. It's it is so, fun. Sounds like it's Hogwarts. Like... Yeah. No. This is more fun. <laughs> I'm because, sure like, it is, yeah. I, I don't because, like, the only troll type of film that I remember, really, is like, a troll in Central Park. Besides trolls. Uh. Well, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There was trolls. But... It, it's fun to see something else yeah. because, you know, I talked to you about the Troll in Central Park and it's just like something stuck with me mm-hmm. um, growing up. So like, I feel like watching this series with you is going to be another one where it could maybe stick with me. All right. Yeah. It's been fun. Hey, are you a Reggie Watts fan? Yes, I am. I watched his Netflix special, uh, The Spatial. How was it? It's, called. it's quite funny. It's quite okay. good. It's certainly like Reggie Watts' unique brand of humor. He does this like beatboxing thing, yep. like he so he makes like songs on the spot, which is a lot of fun. Yep. But he also has like these keys, these cutaway gags, not even cutaways because it's on stage. It's just like he there he like he talks about the show that he used to star in, and then like two other performers come out on the stage with him and they like do episode old episodes of that show, and it's like completely improvised on the spot. It's just it's a it's a really like you know as opposed to the regular stint. As opposed to like regular stand-up specials, where it's you know it's like a lot of rehearsed material and you know stuff they've written out and everything. It's a lot yeah. of like just him being him, the kind of improviser that he can be with his musical abilities and what have you. But it's really fun. Cool. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, that's on that's on Netflix now. It's called Reggie Watts The Spatial. So, Great yeah. title, The Spatial. Yeah. All right, that was that at Quickies. Do you? All right, let's let's get into our review. Let's get into our main review now for Fences. Hey, pop. Can I ask you a question? How come you ain't never liked me? What law is there say I got to like you? A man is supposed to take care of his family. You live in my house, fill your belly with my food, put your behind on my bed because you're my son. Now don't you go through life worrying about whether somebody like you or not. You best be making sure they're doing right by you. Corey just trying to fill out your shoes. I don't want him to be like me. I want him to get as far away from my life as he possibly can get. You're the only decent thing ever happened to me, Rose. You can't be nobody but who you are, Troy. That's all you got to measure yourself against the world out there. Rose, I got something to tell you. I don't know how to tell you this. Why, Troy? Why? You ought to know. It's time. I don't want to know, damn it! What you ever give me? Your feet, them bones, that... Pumping hard. You never done nothing but hold me back, afraid I was gonna be better than you. That should have been some of the trailer for Fences. Denzel Washington once again puts his tries his hand behind the camera with Fences, his third film feature adaptation, and a feature adaptation of the Pulitzer Prize-winning play uh, Fences by the late August Wilson. Washington and co-star Viola Davis both won Tony Awards for their portrayals of Troy and Rose Maxson, a Pittsburgh family living in the 1950s. Uh, Troy, now it's, you know, now it's in theaters, and Troy, the play is about Troy being a former baseball player 
who now works as a garbage man. Rose is a homemaker looking after her husband and her son, Corey. The film is largely set in the backyard of the Maxon home as Troy talks with his various friends and family members who stop by. Sometimes it is in good fun. Other times it's a lot more hostile. All the while, Troy is trying to build a new fence around the back of his home as well. But it is, uh, is it to keep people out or uh, keep people in? Abe? Yes? Start with you this week. Whoa! Uh, I know. All right. What uh, what were your thoughts on on uh, Denzel Washington's uh, directorial hand in uh, with fences? Oh, I'll get and, to uh, that too. Uh, on the whole, I think it's a very good movie. Um, but unfortunately, I think that, that it might work better as a play, and that's not to give it any knocks or anything like that. Because again, I think there's very strong performances. It's just that there's not a whole lot in terms of a di- directorial hand uh, in seeing, I guess, Pittsburgh and any and other parts of the city that give me a, a feel for it because like what you mentioned it's largely takes place in the back of their home uh, in the backyard and not a whole lot of other places so unfortunately it's not very dynamic and I didn't really watch anything that was I guess noteworthy on a directorial level but again the strong performances I think that Viola Davis just really kills it and Denzel Washington has he's really good in it as well but it's probably because he has the majority of the lines and again, I think that if I watched this as a safe production, I, I would probably be... Uh, it's not that I wasn't immersed with what was going on and what they were talking about, but I don't know. Uh, there was just something about the direction that didn't really knock me off my socks. And again, not that it has to, but uh, I can definitely see why this is such a long-standing play. And I went back and actually looked at some clips from when James Earl Jones was doing uh, Troy Maxson. And, man, James Earl Jones, such a presence. But, again, that's a, a different stage production. So, all in all, I think this is pretty solid uh, effort, and it's uh, really well acted. Again, strong performances, but for some whatever reason, I just I didn't feel as though uh, it didn't have like the strongest effect on me, per se. Anna? Yes? What did you think of the, uh, the film? So, in a way, I kind of am agreeing a little bit with Abe about how it's definitely... A storyline that probably is has more strength on the stage than on the film but what it's doing really nicely on the film to keep you engaged is that dialogue it's moving really quickly it's not you know just kind of a standstill and you're just watching a couple people just talk like you can you can get the rhythm of the storyline and everything it's just that you don't have the same feelings you do on stage like they have different you know markings that they have to the Actors have to cross each other and everything. So instead, in the movie, you're getting more like maybe reaction shots from like Viola Davis and stuff because that's how film has to work because it's not a stage. So it's, I mean, that's the only thing. It's kind of disappointing, but that's not just this film. That's any adaptation from a play to film. And other, than, I mean, I enjoyed it though. I enjoyed watching it. That's probably the, my only like downside about it is that it's not pulling as much weight as a play would do, and just like. Abe was saying James Earl Jones, like, he does a wonderful performance. And, I mean, they're both different actors and everything. And, again, it's different mediums and everything. But it's it's a harsh one because there's just, like, we'll probably talking a little bit more. Can we do spoilers with this? We'll, or? Get, we'll get into it, but just some overall. Well, cause just because there's this whole thing about the fence as well. Mm-hmm. In my knowledge of the play, like, you get a more understanding about that fence you don't get it so much in the film. 
because you see him working on it mm -hmm. every once in a while, but not continuously. And then when you get to that scene where he, uh, I think he's already finished it, but he's going to hit that ball or he has the bat. Yeah. And he's like talking to death and mm -hmm. everything. You can, as an, as a viewer, you can just get what what's happening with the storyline, but I don't think it holds as strongly as it does perhaps on stage. But I, again, just quickly so we can move on. Like it, I enjoyed it. And I think the dialogue here on screen is what's helping um, the story. Well, I know you're an August Wilson fan. I'm an August Wilson fan. I have seen a couple of his plays. I'm sorry. There was one regarding the taxi driver, and I want to say it was called Taxi. I'm not sure anymore. It is. Is it? Okay. So that that was my first play that I saw by him. Um, he's very wordy. He likes to say a lot. Mm -hmm. Which, for me, it's good because you get it, but as both Abe and Anna have stated, plays to movies don't move as, don't move the same way. And if you've seen the play, and then when you see the movie, it's, it's not quite the same. And I've never seen the play, obviously, Offenses, but I can see where I would like it better as a play. Mm -hmm. I think I would like it better as a play. So, actually, it was a great movie. I think you could put any race in that movie, and it would, it would be the same. I love Viola Davis. She was great. And the one thing that really stood out was the little girl, when she got to be six or seven or however old she was at the end, mm -hmm. the way Viola combed her hair is exactly how my mother used to comb my hair when I went to church on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my story. What did you think of Denzel? Just because we were talking about um, Denzel earlier. As far as his directing, director, and I'm not, um, Denzel was Denzel. You know, he didn't, he didn't play the bad guys, so... He didn't come across as... I mean, he's not all that good. He doesn't come <laughs> he across all of, of all, you know... <laughs> well, but he didn't play... I, the bad guy, the, 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 the not... The proud man that I saw in this movie mm -hmm. with Denzel, he played that role as the, the father figure, the, the um, not being able to accept that he wasn't a baseball player anymore and he was just a garbage man. And But then he, he, he came across... He came through and he he made himself a, a truck driver, you know. He put, he he pushed himself and he and he didn't push himself. But uh, his hope as the father and the husband and all that it was it was just typical for those that era. I think for me it was just, it was just it was just typical. That's why I think you could put any race in there because that was a typically what was going on in that era with people that on that financial level and. I didn't even know it was Pittsburgh. Actually, I think it probably was said somewhere in the yeah. movie, but I didn't even realize we were, I didn't know where they were. I knew it was somewhere back east, or it appeared to be back yeah. east to me. But um, other than that, so that part, it was like Abe said also, I would have liked to have seen more of Pittsburgh. I know it mm -hmm. was about a fence, but I don't know. Were you going to Well, I was going to just add, because it's kind of like when we walked out of the movie house and your mom's saying you can just sit any different race in there in the storyline and i was telling you it's kind of similarity to a death of the death of a salesman right it's the same type of thing of two men who are trying to make it in america mm -hmm. the american dream basically the only difference the races you know white and then black mm -hmm. and of course there's more struggles with this film and the race because he has so much anger behind him because he didn't make it with the Negro Baseball League. Mm -hmm. And that hindered him. Couldn't move on to, he couldn't, to, the, action, to the 
the, the National Baseball League and everything. Right. And, you know. and then his complaint about why they have to be in the back picking up all the trash cans mm-hmm. and then eventually moving up from that. And then you have all of that is kind of what we'll talk about, I'm sure, later about his relationship with his family and his children mm-hmm. because his son wants to be a football player, but he ends up trying to cut his dreams so quickly. That's so, a, yeah, that's what I can yeah. get into with my thoughts on the film. I've seen the I've seen Fences twice now, so that's five hours of Fences. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and um, I, I do really like this movie. Um, I, I think what you're talking about, it, you know, it's it's a movie specifically for uh, for Troy Maxson's character. Like the movie, like it's exploring black masculinity. Like that's what that's a lot of what it's doing and how a person like this can function in this world where he has a lot of vices from his past, uh, where he used to be a criminal um, and what have you, and he got out of that, and then he became a baseball player, and it didn't work out for him just based off the, the time that he was in there. And, and the only way he's benefited is because of his brother, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and yeah, right. so he has this house now because he has a, a brother who was, who was injured in the war, mm-hmm. um, played by Michael T. Williamson. Um, he's does fantastic. And um, we'll get back to that. And... I think what it, I'm going to go, we'll go with the slight spoilers on Fences, sure. because I think it's less, it's less about, you know, how the plot develops and more about just the nature of the dialogue and the rhythm of the characters and everything. But the, you know, there's, there's an element that the Troy character, I, not knowing the play going in, seeing him be a certain way, I could respect that, but just given how he, just given the idea of he's, he's representing the ideal of what he believes in of where he has responsibilities and he earns his way and he's gone through some hard times, but he's at a point where he owns his house to an extent. Like he, he has a family, he's providing for them mm-hmm. and he feels he can be stern in the way he can be and let loose on Friday after he comes home from work and what have you. But then you introduce the infidelity aspect and it makes me suddenly question this character where it's like, he seems to hold such a high standard for himself and how he lives. But then he's also, he's, not even as committed to his wife as he's, right. as you would, I, I wouldn't have assumed that that was a thing that was going to come. I mean, the dialogue leads you to it just because they're kind of talking about mm-hmm. it at the beginning of the movie and it kind of builds up into the fact that there is another woman going on. And it, I think that makes the character, it makes him very challenging and dynamic because of that. Like suddenly there's a whole new L aspect here that I was not prepared for where he's, he's not just this guy who says this, you know, my, my rule is law kind of way. He bends on his own, kind of logic mm-hmm. right and i thought that's a that's a very interesting angle for this movie to go and it lead, and, you know it leads to the other characters to have more things to say especially viola davis character right. who you know early on in the film it's more of a kind of a back and forth banter where he says lunch, a bunch of stories and denzel washington has a lot of stories to oh, tell yeah. in this movie right. <laughs> and she kind of balances them out and it's fun but then it gets, takes on this whole new dynamic where she's she basically becomes the superior in this relationship because right. she's the better person mm-hmm. and i thought that that was I think the way that's handled for this film is done quite well. I think there's a there's a power balance, a power dynamic in this film that really works, and I think that that is a tribute to the direction. I understand what you're saying, and I've mentioned this many times too, where when you see stage plays adapted into film, I tend to find that being problematic because there is a limited range to what you can do with it as far as the kind of settings and how characters you know pop in and have grand acting moments. So it feels like a play that you're just happening to watch in a cinematic form. Mm-hmm. It didn't bother me as much here 
And I, it's partially because the dialogue is there's so much of it. Yes. And so I'm really, I really like hearing it. And I think it flows really well. It moves quick. It moves quick. Yeah. It has a good, got a pitter patter rhythm to mm-hmm. it, especially if like, like a Troy and Bono mm-hmm. or a Troy with his, with his, his, uh, his first, his oldest son lines. Mm-hmm. Like there's that actor, but I think the acting, sorry about the actor. The acting is yeah. pretty terrific. I mean, Denzel, yeah, Denzel Neal, it was one thing, but if Denzel Washington's going to pull you into a movie that he's producing and directing, that means that you have to give your, like your best a game to be mm-hmm. in a room with Denzel Washington and Viola Davis and all those actors, they do it. They bring yeah. all, they bring that forward. The, the, uh, the character, the, I don't know all the names of the actors because a lot of them are younger or stage uh-huh. actors, but you know, the, the characters that play, you know, Bono, his son Lyons, his son Corey. Right. I think they're all terrific. Me they too. all do just yeah. great work in this movie. Yeah. Um, his friend Bono in particular, I think he does a great job of the way he kind of carefully kind of starts talking to, talking to Troy about like what's going on with this other person. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, he starts to, he talks about the fence. They talk and gets into little things, and then he get you know gets some big mo- like there's just really good work done there. Michael T. Williamson, another one. Mm-hmm. I, I so you got you, you both like Michael. You he, he, you as his brother Gabe. You, yes. you, Gabe, did you like his performances? Gabe, yeah, I did. I mean, again, I, I've seen Michael T. Williamson uh, yeah. in a lot of movies before, but yeah, yeah. I, I certainly liked uh, his performance in this movie. I I I think he's quite strong too. Yeah. My the problem I have because it's not like an I think it's just. I think this is this is the biggest thing when it comes to like the staginess. Yeah, I think that character would work better in a in a play. I think the because he's playing he's playing a handicap mentally handicapped character, mm-hmm. and I think doing that on film, it comes across a certain way that seems very big. It becomes humorous more. I think, it can right? yeah, because it, I think in our, our theater, like a lot of people are kind of they're snickering right yeah, at those moments. Whereas when it's on a play. I think you end up having more emotion pull yeah. this character. And I think by the end, it probably registers more with a lot of people because, you you know, you've been with this character for two and a half hours mm-hmm. at this point. Right. But I, I think the because everybody in a movie like this has to act very big because that's just the nature of the dialogue yeah. and what have you. I, I, I don't find the snickering in the movie of, of that character to be um, at him. malicious. Uh-huh. At him. Yeah. I think people... People are just they 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 chuckle at what they that they don't understand or what's right. different. Mm-hmm. I can and, understand and that, that. And that's sure, just yeah. that, I think that was just a that's just what people do. Yeah, I, I guess it would just it comes probably like you just said it probably happens more here in a movie form than it exactly. would on stage. Right. Sure. Yeah. I don't think any I don't think the audience in a, a theater are going to be chuggling during a scene. Absolutely. I just I think. I mean, there's some the, things he did that were. Oh yeah, there's certainly yeah, there's certainly funny parts. I mean, there's funny parts in this movie in general. No, he was. because I think because I think he's giving it his all in a way that I don't know if that suits cinema in the mm -hmm. way that it does on stage. Like he did this on stage, which he probably had done it at some point on stage. Probably you know he'd probably be a Tony nominee or something like that. Like I think it's a really good performance because he's Michael. He's a very good actor, especially given the right material and whatnot. Um, so it's just that's a part that seemed to rub me the wrong, not the wrong, but it just rubbed me. It's more of the, the, what you're saying about audience reactions, more of like, yeah. I feel like I'm into what this character is doing, but mm-hmm. the atmosphere around me is not right. Right. helping me it's appreciate it. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Well, consider where we were. I understand. Oh, yeah. I saw it twice now. Had the same thing happened the first time Did I saw it, it too, oh, okay. in a theater full of press. I mean, oh. so it's like. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. different. Um, you know, you bring up a lot of themes here, Aaron, and certainly uh, I do want to add that uh, I agree that Denzel is a pretty complex character in the in the entire movie. Um, again, he's very he has a big uh, he has a big uh, presence about him, right? So he he talks a lot of game and whatever else. But yeah, I mean, 
he's he's a, a person who's struggling with how to be, I guess, in more general sense, how to be a man, right? Because, uh, sure, he needs help building this fence, but at the same time, he bought the house using the, the money that his brother uh, earned from having a, a veteran injury. wound injury, yeah. right? So um, he has issues with his first son because uh, his first son doesn't see uh, life the same way. And even towards the end when he's talking about why why he had to be away from his first son, uh, there's even some parts where he had to get checked by his friend Bono uh, and even Viola Davis. So uh, while, he, while he talks a big game, it's just a, a matter of, well, you know, I understand that it's difficult for you in this blue-collar neighborhood coming up uh, and trying to be more than a garbage uh, man, uh, especially in the back. But I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, to some degree, there were there were points where I wish that they explored it a little bit more. And you're right that at a certain point, the movie allows Viola Davis to kind of be, uh, the scales tip in Viola Davis's uh, favor in terms of uh, uh, power play. But I, I just, I, I felt as though the... The need for him to represent himself on the screen and uh, show us who he really is, it just didn't really hit me as as much as, again, a stage production would hit me. Um, and I really think that one of the, the uh, better parts uh, from a direction standpoint is when he's got his bat toward the end that uh, Anna was talking about, and the, the lens starts to blur a little bit. I was like, oh, well, that's a really neat directorial touch uh, for uh, for the screen that you can't do uh, on a stage production. Um, and it's very symbolic at that point because uh, he starts talking about death and how it's been affecting him his whole entire life, how he's been running away from it, but he's so he's so strong and he's, he, uh, he'd he fight death tooth and nail kind of thing. Um, and when it finally hits, it kind of just finally hits. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's just uh, some, some things that I, I, I can feel yeah. more strongly come across. And I'd like to also bring up the example of, like, I, uh, I yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, because yeah, again, I'm not saying it's perfect. Sure. I don't say many films are perfect, but I, like I, and I, Ferngully, I the last rainforest. I think we all. I don't. I don't think any of us are in the, like a high disagreement about the the, the quality of the director or whatnot. But I do think it deserves a little more credit than it's been given. Right. Like, because it is. Sure. It's a long play. It's a long story, and a lot of it is based around people in the backyard talking. So that doesn't allow for too much in the way of dynamic filmmaking. Um, but I and a lot of it is kind of like close up shot mid trot mm -hmm. like reaction reaction shots. shot and whatnot right. but i do think there is a there's an editing style to that that does work that makes it sure. affecting there's yeah. a way there's a way to not do that properly which i've seen a lot in plays that right. i don't like as movies <laughs> i've seen that all i've seen that a lot True. yeah I've, I've seen plenty of those that just don't work and i think a lot of credit needs to be given for a movie that you did find very entertaining or engaging what have you because sure. That's how good the direction is, as far as making you appreciate what's going on. Well, on here, here's and the here's what I, this, yeah. No, go ahead, Anna. And perhaps this um, you know, this take with cinema of how it's being shot and everything is is somewhat needed. Maybe it's its own allegory of how he's directing this, because sure. of course, when it comes to play, the actors, like we were saying, they can have movements. They're more grand of like their presence and how they, they execute their lines, and the monologue, and everything. And it's you know has to do with their personality on stage and their their movements. But like with this, it's very condensed because we don't have many places. We don't really ever go to the bar, but except that one time. He gets to, yeah, we right? get a couple and shots here. And maybe at his there. job, at his job, I a couple goes. shots. Yeah. But it's mainly just at the house in the backyard. Yeah. And well, in a way, that's probably well, it builds not what a, you it, want. It builds because a sense of claustrophobia. It does. I mean, in the same way that like 
12 angry men can do something like that. Right. right. And and there was Andre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that containment is probably needed for the use of this being, you know, it's my, maybe not having the greatest of um, talk about like other films that have been adapted where I haven't seen Jersey Boys, but yeah. or like anything's been adapted where they do. They kind of show you these big long shots. They're like bigger stage sets and everything. Right. But this is just you're, you're contained. And even though I may not enjoy that much because I kind of was think, trying to think, like, like, how can you do this where it's not just contained here and they can have those movements that we see on stage? But it works, though. It works for the direction that's being taken because of that. You get that feeling just being, you know, well, there's a lot. There's a good, yeah, there's a good of, like, t- there's some tension that takes place. There's, a, there's even, like, the, you know, never mind the, the argumentative uh, conversations of people, getting, you know, really yelling at each other. There's scenes, like, of just Troy talking with his son Lions about borrowing $10. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's, there's cutaway shots to, like, Lions' face and Troy's face as they're talking to each other mm-hmm. where it builds a good level of tension that you... You can get that on stage just because that's, you know, they're actors, they're kind of mm-hmm. doing a thing. But in a film, that that's a tricky thing, thing to pull off. And, and there's it some works, because even it, you get the it, reaction it on because everyone's in that house listening to this conversation, so. Right. Yeah, it's, so well, it, I mean, it is tricky yeah. because, like, in that particular setup uh, of Denzel speaking with lions, right, so you have these two characters that are um, uh, speaking to each other, and then, yeah, you have these, like, mid-cut shots and whatever, and then you have, like, master shots, and then, uh, you can you can see Violetta Davis kind of working in the kitchen, but um, I felt that I felt that it could have been done differently uh, to some degree. And again, I, I'm not saying that it's, it's a bad directorial take. It's just more that uh, you know it's it's not proper to directly compare it to something like Les Mis from Tom Hooper because one's a musical stage production and this one's just like a straight actor's play. Um, but, you know, with Tom Hooper, what he did was a lot of close-up shots, right? And we kind of mocked him for that, but I understood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, we, we mocked him for that when we were doing the review because, again, like, why, right? But at the same time, I understood his point of view, which was I wanted – because in the stage production, you these actors and actors actresses are, are singing directly at you when you're sitting there watching the play. So I kind of wanted to give you that feel. Which is totally understandable. And then he extrapolates on the world, though. Uh, if, and I know they have more dynamic things in in uh, France, yeah, in revolutionary the, the France. French Revolution is sure. more, you know, it's a bigger thing. Than, right, right. But I mean, know, like... A black family in their backyard. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I totally understand that, too. Because, again, the entire notion of, of fences, of just... Uh, again, the fence is a giant metaphor for maybe... Uh, it's it's sort of like almost raisin in the sunish with uh you know well you can't let your hopes dry out like a raisin in the sun kind of thing, but mm-hmm. um, you know just in terms of the direction it, there are different takes to it and I I think that uh, given that you do have like these medium takes uh, medium edit shots and whatever else like I don't know maybe I would have just preferred to see a master of the uh, of that particular scene because I think that the the ensemble. Because it's only four people in that particular room at that particular scene: Bono, uh, Troy, Lyons, and uh, uh, Rose. So maybe I just would have preferred to see a master. You know. Uh, anyway, that's just me kind of nitpicking on on I guess how I would. It's have not nitpicking. It. I mean, it's a legitimate criticism. I mean, I understand. I understand what you're saying. And again, I agree to a, an extent about sure. what I. It's just I. <laughs> I it is tricky to pull this kind of thing off. I agree. Pull off a two and a half hour movie about people talking in a backyard, and so yeah. the 
And he did an excellent job. I think the the the, the, the work to make that be entertaining. I think what it is. I think is I I think is impressive. Yes. Um, compared to. You know, there's there's ways you could have changed this bill, but uh, just yeah, imagine the ways it could have been worse. And I yeah. <laughs> I know there are ways that it could have been worse. Yeah, I, mean, well, I have it, a question it, because yeah. the film is titled Fences, right? Uh-huh. And he, we see him building the fence and talking about like how his son needs to help him before he goes yeah. to the shores of the fence. So is it obvious, Troy? Is it Troy? Right? Yeah. Is it obvious? His reasoning of building that fence, and also Viola Rose. Yeah. Viola, is it obvious to any of you guys like why they're building this fence? Because it is very. I mean, it's titled fences. He's building a fence, and it has a symbolic meaning. So did that like come across to you obvious when you're watching it, or is it like you had to dig in and try to like? Yeah. Grasp to be it? honest, what? I wasn't sure about Troy's reasoning, but I love Bono's representation of it through Rose's eyes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I saw the way Bono uh, retracted from Danzel's character when he fathered the other child. Mm-hmm, also, right. just played a lot to me on the Bono. You know, it wasn't like you know some men can, well, some they can be glad, con- congratulatory, and you know make it come out cool, and it's not cool. And I like how they portrayed that. Or you have a man, we have two men that have, you know, had a level, you know, not right. just a friendship, but a level of respect for each exactly. other. Exactly, and he totally lost respect for him, or at least that's right. what I saw. That's what I saw, too. Yeah, so. How about you, Aaron? Did you? Um, as far as what the fence is, the fence. The symbolic, right. Was it, was it strong with Troy's reasoning? And answering your question. No, yeah, I you're lying. Yeah, I didn't, sorry. I didn't get the symbolic reasoning from anyone's character. From Troy or Rose? Not really. I mean. I didn't see it. Why Denzel needed to build that fence, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily. It's it stuck out to me as like, oh, that's why he's doing it. But like, I, I can certainly kind of read into a logic of like, he just wants to keep everything contained here. Like, he wants to, and he wants his his family to be his family, and then he does what he does. That kind of is thing. that though more Rose though? Because wasn't she like wanting to keep everything safe? And like, I think well, he I, says I, that right, where he wants. This is Rose's reasoning of why he's building this fence. It, that to, to Rose, yes, I think the idea is to keep every you know keep everything safe and hot right. and, and non-hostile. Where I think Denzel is more like he's building this thing because he's made this this life for himself that's here, and he can he can he can go in here, and that's what's in here, his life that he's made, and he has a lot. He has, there's respect given to him because of that. Mm-hmm. But when he leaves there, you know he's wrestling death, and he's doing all kinds of other things. Things. But is it also because you're talking about he's wrestling death? But isn't it from Troy's perspective? Isn't he building the fence then to keep death? Well, he's out like, of yes, his... he's going. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could also okay. see it. Like, so, so, Troy... Troy, is it more obvious for Troy that he's building the fence so he can keep death away? Because he's out in that window talking, like, you're not coming to get me. And if you do, I'm going to be ready. I, I right? feel like that that's kind of like just a. Uh... And after the fact kind of thing, because I feel like strong or I feel strongly that Troy is building the fence as a power play um, of, hey, look, I'm the I'm the head of this family. Uh, I'm providing for all. You, yeah. Head of the household. I'm providing for all you guys. And if I tell you that I'm going to build a fence, I'm going to build this fence. And yes, my son, Corey, you have to help me. I never get anything done because I'm always yelling at you all the time. And then you always run away. <laughs> but this is my you know, goddamn fence. And I'm going to build my goddamn fence. And even though Bono's and, and like, you're going to help me because you live in this house. Right. And Bono's like, why are you even building this fence? You know, your yard is so small anyway. He's like, I'm going to build it because I want to build it. It's like, it, it's that's almost as if like he's, he's building the fence to say, 
this is the only thing that I have ever started on my own accord, and I will finish it. I promise myself I will finish it because the house isn't mine. My wife loves me, but I'm in, uh, but I have infidelity problems. Uh, my first son doesn't really love me that much. My second son, I want him to be like me, but I have no way of telling him how to be like me because I'm such a macho guy. And so maybe we'll bond over this fence. But again, he just he can never get his uh, he can never figure out who he really wants to be. And that's why I felt it was really unfortunate that at the end of the movie, Viola Davis' character Rose has to give you that explanation about like, hey, you know, your father gave you the best of what he had. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, he just made me want to hate him, too. So <laughs> it's kind of unfortunate because, uh, yeah. you know, that's that's used to the complex nature of the relationships. Right. It's. I mean, like I get what you're, as I get what you're saying, and it's, the that, guy, it's the kind of thing where it's hard for me to like knock the Pulitzer Prize-winning play for the writing. It's like, well, I mean, right. <laughs> but, yeah. like I, I, it, it, it is a reach to kind of connect all of these various strands together to understand the unifying themes, what have you, to a point when you have so much talk about death, but you let on so much talk about like the what, what Rose thinks he's trying to do for his son and what you're seeing coming out of that. And trying to understand his perspective of it, then also think of the other things he's doing in his life. It's, there's like there's a lot there. It's a yeah. huge like. It's, a, yeah. it's too much. That's why it's a two and a half hour story. But like <laughs> I wonder if like because I wasn't too you know happy with that as well. Like her coming, Rose telling him like your father did all this for you, and it's like he still has so much anger, even though he's there. He doesn't want to go to the funeral, but like I think if you left Rose out of it and just had the little girl, because then she sings that song. Mm-hmm. And that ends up helping carries him to go to the funeral after all. Like I don't think you need to have that as much. But that's but I know that's life. I, I mean, it's like and and that and it's such a it's such a hard place for her to be in where she like you know it all this stuff has happened and now they have to go to a funeral and a man that disrespected her. Yeah, just, I mean, she's raising a child by another woman. I know. And, I would not so do, it's that. Like, now they, now they <laughs> do that. Now that she came back. She, Yes. came back because I said the same thing. It's like, I'd leave. It's like, you know, you raise this baby by yourself. But then she came back and said, I will be the mother of this child. But you, you, you no longer have a woman. You no longer have a woman. Right. That was, I'm like, there you go, Rose. So I now was you, wondering what happens. So because so he, he does come to her and tell her because, you know, that the child is innocent in all of this, which is true. Are. It's true. Right. But it's just so hard because that situation, if you had someone come to you and tell you and talk about the dialogue, right? Like he talks, it's like kind of poetic though, but like he talks about how this other woman makes his laughter come from off of his head yes. down to his feet. Like it goes through, like, it's just like, it's so hurtful. Every it's time hurtful. She right. at that yeah. baby, that's what yeah. she'll see. And that's what I would presume she would see. Anyway. And, 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 and isn't it, isn't it, pretty interesting that you know when they when that baby is introduced or actually when he's talking to viola davis about uh alberta it's just like yeah she makes me feel unburdened by all of you and it's like what are you wow. what are you trying to be here yes. like are you a father and my husband or are you just this guy who's trying to look for all these outs in life and that's why it's like it's just uh, as much as i respected the character of troy maxson for yeah maybe working hard and kind of just shutting up and doing it it's like Yo, man, I, as on a person-to-person level, you are a terrible person, and I just can't, like, I I can't empathize with you because you're such a jerk to all these people that are first-degree connections to you, and I, I just, like, there's no redemption factor, even though you go onto this, like, this soliloquy of yelling at death and saying that you're ready, it's like, nothing can change the fact that you're a terrible father, which is unfortunate to say, 
But uh, again, that's why the, the character is so strong, though, of so many words. And again, he's so verbose and he has such a large spirit and personality. But beyond all that, when you really take a look at Troy, he's like, you were just, you're not even a man. You're just this guy who just like shirks responsibility. Right. Like I, we, this infidelity, it's yeah. really heavy. And that's where it's just like, you cut off. Like for myself, I just cut off from Troy. I was like, no, that's not even acceptable. It's like, because Viola Rose, she comes in, she talks about how like, what about her wants and her needs and her dreams? And it's so sad and disappointing because she's been so faithful. She's been right there raising the kids and everything. And here he is trying to find the, the joy and laughter again. And like that's so disappointing to a woman right. to Absolutely. hear that that you're not giving joy and trying to find it back with me. Yeah, you're looking, you you went somewhere else. Right. <laughs> Which is and she had nowhere to go. She couldn't yeah. say I'm. Where was she gonna go? She's been with him for 18 years exactly. in that house. She's yeah. never worked. And that, that's one of the most powerful monologues uh, this year, I would say. You know, that's a great monologue. Oh, that's she that's her getting the Oscar right there. Yeah. yeah. Although I said that before, and she lost to Meryl Streep, so I don't know what to go on. That's <laughs> well, I mean, strong competition her, against Jackie. I don't know. Um, how is like she, her wants and how she planted it in him? Like that. Those are beautiful ways you. of saying right. something, and you're all this hurt in you. Yeah, you hear that, Aaron? So, Newport Beach Film Festival. Go to it. <laughs> well, that's what, I'm, what that's what I'm saying about the end, though. When you have Viola Davis come in there, it's so it's such an interesting turn where you like all this bad stuff has happened. Yet she she has to basically go to this event to immortalize this man now. Right. Like mm-hmm. she has to think because of that's what you do because that's, that's what you do. which is life. That's, that's life. <laughs> yeah. Or at the very, I mean, even if the you know something is gone, clearly. The idea that the son is there, she wants her son to be an adult. She wants her son to be a man, a, a, a good person, not not like her father, who is not as good. So she, she needs to yeah. tell him certain things that he needs to hear. Yeah. And I do think that is effective. I think that's it's necessary. Yeah. Even if she can't fully stand behind what emotions coming out of her in regards to this person that was in her life, she needs to tell her son what the right thing is to yeah. do. Yeah, so isn't that, isn't that also interesting that... Uh... It's almost like the sins of the father kind of thing. Um, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the right. whole entire, like, you know, uh, you reap what you sow. Because that dynamic there at the end, I totally understood that part, too. Of I, While I didn't like her explaining it, it was interesting that it was kind of almost evident that Corey was going to be almost exactly like Troy. Because he goes and joins the Marines, and he thinks that he's, like, this cool we don't guy. Know that, no, he joined the Marines. That means he's not going to be a thief like his father. No, I, I understand. But at the same time, it, it's, like, it's really interesting like, for her to, for Rose to tell him, like, you know, you shouldn't be angry like your father was. Because, okay. because he was angry at life, he was angry at everything, and he kind of just bottled it all up and it came out in terrible ways. And while I understand that you you went off on your own and you decided to become a Marine um, and you've been doing it for six years, the best way for you to not be like him is to attend this funeral and show compassion and forgiveness and empathy. In, in that regard, yes. Obviously, yeah. yes. Which, yeah, is, which is like – which is – you know, the whole – that's why I think that it's it's very poetic and symbolic for the sunshine. Uh, aside from the – you know, the St. Peter and the Gates, it's also just symbolic of like, oh, well, you know, here's a brand new day for you, Corey, because yeah. – it shines on Corey uh, almost uh, very, very long uh, at the end there. Yeah, because the presumption, the yeah. presumption is he will be like his father. Right. So we, uh, he won't. Yeah. And that yeah. if he has kids, that he isn't, you know, deny them of their dreams because he got denied his own dream, get cut yeah, off. Yeah, that was sad. So quickly. And it, it was typical, though, yeah. for, right. the, for the time. 
which is, I mean, it brings me way back to what I first said. Was the movie is a very interesting study of black masculinity. Yes, I, mean, it, 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 I agree. Yeah. In that respect. And that's, I guess, the, the part where, well, you could still put other races in it. You could. You could I other races I have those issues. August Wilson is very much right to a certain degree, but I know yeah. I know what you're saying. Yes, yes you could rewrite yeah. things a bit differently and what have you and have other types of actors and what have you explore these roles as well, which could be proved to be interesting, actually, if yeah. you know, try to mix things up. I would agree. But, uh, all right, I think we've said a lot about that. Was a, that was a quite really enjoyed. deep discussion. Well, yeah, yeah it, it's, a yeah. Deep movie. it's a deep movie. It really yeah. is. Like It's two hours, like you said, and it's... There's no distraction. You're in a backyard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Kind of made so me want to have some we... gin, but at the same time, I was like, they're just drinking gin straight, and that's kind of gross. I'll say, the, okay, oh. I'll, well, last thing, because I know my mom has to go. Yeah. Um, the, the, there's, a, there's a good number of laughs in Fences, in addition to all the drama. Yeah, I is. think my, the, fav, the moment that made me laugh the hardest is when, is after Troy comes back talking about his promotion, and like the second he starts talking about the promotion, Lions comes in, and he just get it. Like, even though it's not even what he's going to do that time, he's not going to go for the $10. Right. Just the idea that he, the second he's talking about all this newfound success, Lions is the first person to walk into the door. And the first thing you think <laughs> about, it's like, oh, here we go. Like, a whole new conversation starts. Oh, boy, $20 now. It's like watching like a sketch out of like Good Times or something like that. It's just like, <laughs> and the good thing is he doesn't get it. I really like, because I, I think all the acting's really good. I really like that the Lions Troy relationship. I think that's, it's very, and just him in general. I think he's. Good, strong presence. I'm, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure he's probably like more of a theater actor because I don't think I've seen him very much before. But mm-hmm. I, I like that performance quite a bit. Uh, it's tricky. Um, in addition to you know all the many other really good performances in this movie. All right. Well, with fences, um, when should people go and see this film? Is how we uh, rate things here. When when should people go and see fences? Would you say go see it in a theater? Go see it on Netflix. Wait for TV. What would uh, what would you say? I would say go see it in the theater because you can you can. You'll be more adaptable to the constriction of it. Uh huh. Does that make sense? No, yeah, I know what you okay. like. You, you're in a, you're not distracted. Yeah, you can, I think you, if it's you saw be like watch Netflix just... or something like that, it would, it would get boring to some people to, to some extent, and they're going to put it down. Uh huh. And they're going to go do something yeah. else or whatever. Or the phone rings. Or yeah, something. and, and like they're going to have an excuse to to. to you can have pause your phone it. while you're in the house, but you can't have your phone when you're in the movie. Exactly. House. <laughs> just just like, like the theater. You got to sit there. You got to sit there for two and a half hours. But I still say I would love to see it in play form. Yeah, for just sure. just because right. at this point I would love to see it in play form. Anna, why don't you people go see things? I would be on the same board and think that everyone should go see it in theaters strong performances it definitely has a symbolic meaning to kind of go into dive in a little bit more i know we're talking about whether it's death keeping things in or is a barrier with the suns and everything so definitely see it in theater i'd actually say uh, see it in netflix and again that's not a knock on anything it's just more that i think you can still get out of it what you can from the theater uh at home on netflix as I've said, given that I've seen it twice now and I still think the movie's quite good, I think a theater is a good option for it. I do think the it kind of, especially if you want to kind of recreate a theatrical type experience as far as plays go, and you're watching a movie version of a play, it works right. uh, to a degree. I also uh, just want to add Fences, um, but Fences and um, I believe uh, Ben-Hur, both Paramount movies. Fences is going to make more money than Ben-Hur, as in, you know, complex stories of gifted actors that aren't white, as opposed to Ben-Hur, which is a remake that no one seemed to ask for that had generic non-stars in it. That well, we love, Toby, okay. we love Toby Kebbell. 
Oh no, we were a bit. Yeah. I, I like the actors in the movie. It's just more of <laughs> this I... is the kind of lesson Hollywood could learn from <laughs> remakes that we don't really care for, and they bomb in theaters, and if that's a hundred million dollars down the drain, but they use real horses. That's a lot cheaper. And, they you know, use real horses, and they built a real track to race around, Aaron. This son of mine that I raised. <laughs> I will say, I we've, we've seen Ben Hur twice now. I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just more of like just, look, just looking at the movies that Paramount released, and they're like, here's this big budget movie that flopped hard yeah. in theaters, and here's this other thing that's you know doing really well. It's like, make more of these. <laughs> don't spend as much money on things. IFC. <laughs> Anyhow. Well, Mom, I know you need to... Uh, you can take off now. We've talked about it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for inviting me. For sure. Nice to see you, Abe. And uh, <laughs> I hope to be able to do this again. Great. Excellent. Okay. Thank okay. you. Ciao. Peace out. Ciao. That was an amazing Mom's Movie movie Minute. Let's, uh, let's get to our sponsor real quick. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Why Audible? Por qué? Why Audible? I'm glad you asked me. Audible... <laughs> What? <laughs> was it this? Audible Audible is a, is a great uh, audiobook service where you can download audiobooks for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any kind of MP3 device. And <laughs> Audible is offering your, our listeners a free audiobook download of their choice, um, as well as a free 30-day trial membership. You just go to audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. You can check out the service, and you can download a book for free. It's just that simple. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it, but you get to keep that book that you download for free for free. So be a winner. And read. Or listen at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. All right. Let's, um, let's get into some feedback here. Feedback, feedback, feedback. <laughs> this is where it goes with the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. And we only asked a, only asked a couple, couple one questions question, this week. Yeah. And, uh, and we got question thrown our way um so let me find the uh question here mm-hmm. let's see oh okay i asked uh, any new year's any movie related new year's plans and uh let's see tyler wrote uh working a double at my movie theater job which and, is a uh, bummer yep yeah. and uh, chad wrote underworld blood wars what Hey man, he likes to see the new releases. Seen the, yeah. seen, the, seen that underworld. But also, Tyler, you got to make that money, so I respect the hustle. <laughs> All right. That's Capri Sun's new line. Respect the hustle. Our next, That's... our next, question, our next question here. Or yeah, hey, you want to read us? it actually? Yeah. yeah. Questions for us. Uh, Adam asks, uh, did you guys see more independent films going straight to VOD? I was able to watch Moonlight and Hell or High Water via VOD. I mean, there's certainly been like a, a very big upsurge in movies that have gone to VOD. Ones that are, you know, not just like like Steven Seagal directed video movies, but like <laughs> you know, actual movies that will be nominated for a lot of awards and things right. like that. Like, and it's, I think, yes, uh, the kind of streaming concept, especially for independent film, sadly, just because of availability and what have you, is more and more going the way of streaming, which is, you know, it's not the, for me, it's not the preferred thing because right. I do like to see movies in theaters, but it's certainly an inevitability for a lot of smaller studios that you know can't afford to compete with a lack of space for them to be around in addition to you know the big blockbusters aside from like art house theaters and what have you or theaters that are strictly in la or new york i feel as though it's uh it's a little bit of a a good and a bad thing there's pros and cons here right so 
you know, Adam, to answer your question uh, directly of independent films going to VOD, yeah, there might be some. I mean, for example, like Vimeo hosts a lot of independent movies that people make on their own uh, that aren't going to get big studio releases. Uh, Aaron, for awards consideration, do you have to be released in the theater for a certain period of time? Yes, you need, like, you generally need like a week-long engagement in okay. order to be considered for awards, yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, like Beast of the Nation last year is a good example where right. that debuted on Netflix, but they had a, a week-long theater run in L.A. just so they can qualify for awards. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I mean, what sucks is that the independent movies are so good. Like, some of them are so good, and nobody will ever see any of them, uh, or there, very few people will watch them. And that's why some studios just don't want to take a risk on them, right? Uh, but you do have studios that will. You know, A24 and uh, Annapurna, those folks are uh, doing a good thing by, you know, making these really small movies that people don't necessarily go see, but, uh, you know, they get good praise. And I'm glad because um, while everything can still be big budgeted, TV has been catching up a lot. Uh, so you see a lot of really good television now. On hour-long series, you know, I think that Aaron, you guys were mentioning Black Mirror like a couple weeks ago, um, and apparently that's a really good show. I haven't seen, I, I saw like a few minutes of the first episode, um, but again, television has really been catching up on the writing and the way that it looks, and digital photography has really been helping a lot of people who necessarily didn't think about making a movie before, now they are going to make a movie. So again, there's a lot of mediums to host your, your movie, but... In terms of independent films going straight to VOD, I hope not, because I do enjoy watching movies in theaters, but I also enjoy watching uh, good movies in theaters. You know, I, I don't need to see all of the Transformers in theaters, even though we're I going don't. to. But we're going to have to review like it. A movie on a small screen? No, it's just more of like, you know, I, I wish that more people did see Hell or High Water, or, you know, I still haven't seen it yet, but... Uh, uh, call it? What's the Taika Waititi movie? Um, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, I still haven't seen that yet, but I wish that I had seen it in theaters, even though there's no explosions or whatever else. But I just really want to support. There are them. explosions. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. But I, yeah, but I just want to support these smaller independent movies because they they uh, they, they often take more care and craft. Chases. Yeah. I know what you're saying, Abe. Though, yeah, I, I certainly understand what you're saying. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, our next question one. is from friend of the show, Marcus Robinson. Um, he asks, are there any, do you guys have any movie related resolutions? Marcus, for you, buddy, all of my resolutions are movie related. My, my movie related uh, resolution, I'm going to go see a movie with Marcus. That's what it is. You that heard it here, Marcus. <laughs> I'm going to go see a movie that, with you. I want to get that live review from you, too. Where <laughs> we're going to be arguing with each other over like a, <laughs> over a movie. Do you have any? I don't know what they would be. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, see, see I see lots of movies. Okay. I guess I'll, I'll continue not seeing Resident Evil and Underworld movies. I think that seems to work well for me. I, I, I haven't like seen that. many Resident Evil movies, but I have seen almost all the, the Underworld movies. Why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. you pop, you can't uh, stop. I think um, it would be fun to go and see more like classic films on okay. screen. Yes, that'd be good. Yes. Like... Uh... <laughs> Like Carousel. Okay, all right. <laughs> or anything, or like, what was on your? We did Space Odyssey. There were some films on your list too. Yeah. Oh, those classes movies. Okay, all right. Well, I wasn't sure if you're going for like uh, Casablancas or 
Shadowfall is in there too. Shadowfall is in there too. Yeah, one day. But yeah, having like original prints or just new or Or these like seventy millimeter masters they've been making for these for some of these epics, it's just cool to see those. That is true. Yeah. So I think we should see more of those. Twenty seventeen. Well, it's twenty seventeen. You guys are gonna be able to. You guys. I know you guys start writing that in your rent checks. Twenty (laughs) seventeen. Anyhow. Uh, so, okay, so that was on that feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. What, um, what, what time is it now? Oh, what? Aaron, I think it might be time for a very fun all-panel game. <laughs> Little known fact, that was actually the song that played when Denzel Washington got his promotion. Fences. Yeah, that that is that is in fact what played, and that is of course the improv theme for games. And uh, we figured, why don't just have some fun? Well, we we don't already prepared like question games where nope. I try to stump everybody and Abe makes things way too easy. We figured we uh, <laughs> <laughs> I make it fun. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna do some like all player games. Abe, what do you have any uh, in mind? You want to do? Get us going? And it's called Escalator, which is one of my favorite games. And uh-huh. essentially, because you guys are on the road, I picked a topic for this week, and it's uh, road trip movies. So, Escalator is a game in which we all take turns naming a movie with one-word titles, and then two-word titles, and then three-word titles, and we slowly knock each other out. Uh, and again, the theme for this week is road trip movies. So, anything that has to do with uh, people Tra- traveling. traveling together. Oh my goodness. So, wait. You have to give a film title, just like yes, one so, word. So, so the then... first one is a one-word title, yes. Okay. So what is a one-word r- road I don't movie? One. To be honest, I can't think of one either right now. <laughs> I can think <laughs> of multiples I'm, after one word. Three. Same. Yeah. Uh, three. What, what's a one-word? Let's, 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 let's do that one together, and then we'll <laughs> go to two. So a one-word road trip movie. Is Eurotrip one word? Yeah. There you go. You're okay. We passed it. So let's go to two words, Aaron. Well, I mean, if you don't, if you if you discount National Lampoons, I just say vacation. Yeah, but that is part of the title. Well, National the new Lampoon. one's just vacation, I believe. Oh, the new one with uh, Ed Helms. Ed Helms. That is so true. Vacation. <laughs> we can move on to two. We can move on to two. Yeah, Anna, you can move. You can have two. Okay. So two. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It can be just like on the road, basically. But yeah. just yeah, moving people on the road. Okay. No. Rayman? Rayman, yeah. yeah that Rayman works. The road. They're on the road a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I'm going to get docked out after three. <laughs> we'll see. We'll be surprised. Yeah. Maybe uh, going. Con Air. Con Air. <laughs> They're going on a flight trip. <laughs> um, road trip. Okay. Now we're on three. Now we're on three. three. Little Miss Sunshine? That's what I was thinking of. Oh, <laughs> that is good. Okay. Uh, we have another one. We need to get a four. Oh, I'm done. Then. A three-word movie title for road trips. Is that a three one? Oh, wait, did I just give you one? No, <laughs> no, no. no. God, I, have my, I have a three. Uh, hold on. Three-word movie title, road trip. This one. <laughs> Somebody want to give me a hand here? You're out. Dude. No! <laughs> what? I had okay, so many four and five okay, word movie okay, title one. ones. 
Hold it on. stars a very young Brad Pitt. California? No. That's also a road trip That's movie, also but no. With That's... a one more title. <laughs> okay. What stars you... a very young Brad Pitt with two leading women. Where is his face at? Abe. <laughs> two leading women in a car, and they come across Tell a very young Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm back in, baby! <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. Woo! Wait. <laughs> you have one? Dumb and Dumber. Oh. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> you got a four? Oh my gosh. I don't think so. Uh, let's see. Um, National Lampoon. European. Your, yeah, I'm trying to. Vacation. vacation. Yep, that's a, that'll work. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I was either that or there another one, I think. You got it. You're okay. good, though. No, that was good. Okay. Hey, do you have a four? Back to the Future. Okay. No What'd you say? Back to the Future. Back to the Future? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dumb and Dumber 2. Should have thought of that one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Is it five now? Yep. It is five. I think I'm at five. You could do it. Wait, what's a Beavis and Butthead one? <laughs> Beavis and... It's, Wait, a, it's Beavis a five. That is a five one. Go to America or something? Do America. Do Amer- Beavis and Butthead. Do America. No. Beavis no. and Butthead. I don't know why I'm looking at my fingers. You got to like eight fingers. <laughs> Butthead's one word. You got five. Oh, it is? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, got a fiver? I do. Babe, pig in the city. <laughs> Eat it! <laughs> Where's your five, Aaron? <laughs> Star Wars, A New Hope. Okay, all right. <laughs> trying to get to Alderaan, and then that doesn't go. They're always they're always on the road of space. Of space, yeah. <laughs> that six? is good. You got six? No, I think I'm done at six. <laughs> I didn't want to go out like that. <laughs> My last one was a beef. <laughs> that's a, that's uh, a funny movie, though. <laughs> let's see about the lampoon ones again. <laughs> I think I'm dropping out. Six? I don't have a six, you guys. I got another five on the road to El Dorado. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had a two on Motorcycle Diaries. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a good one, too. Three. Or three one, Motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'm out. Have you got a six? Uh, I think I might. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the longest film title is. Some. What? What is the longest film title? Well, it'd probably be another road movie. It's a mad, 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 yeah, mad world. Sounds like <laughs> a six or seven Those word title. Pirates right? of the Caribbean. Movies. Oh my gosh! Like the Isn't that one that could be a six? Oh my goodness! Those aren't road movies, but they're, yeah, they're, they are. They're road on the water. Water. Kinda, road. but um, expanding the genre. <laughs> oh damn! You know, you know, it's another one-word movie title for road trips. Elizabeth Town. What's that bunk called? Travel by map. Travel by map. That was a fun part of, of the Muppets. That's Do you have six days? Is uh, Homeward Bound the Journey Home 2? Is that oh is that the second movie? It's Homeward Bound 2, Lost in San Francisco, so it's seven words. Uh, <laughs> all right, you take it. What's your six? I didn't have one. I don't. I don't have a six. I think we'll just stop. We'll just, we'll just stop at five. We'll stop at five. All right. Three-way tie. Three-way tie. 
Thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank was you. there another uh, all-player game we could play? I was thinking about a, 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 a whatchamacallit. I, I don't know if we have a, do we actually have a name for that game where we just list an actor and then we'll, we'll list his credits? Where we name an actor and we'll list uh, his credits? Do we have our specific name for it? I forget. Yeah, I call it Knockout. Knockout. There knockout. You go. Yeah. So, so for Knockout this we... week, I mean, there's not a whole lot of other folks that I would think about except for Denzel Washington, because he's the lead. Makes sense. So Okay. We'll, uh, we'll go how we started, Aaron, Anna, and then Abe. Okay, so we're going to take turns naming movies from Denzel Washington. Yeah, I, I'll, okay, accept, so I'm starting. I'll accept movies that he directed as well. And I'm not looking at it at IMDb, it's just more of from memory. Really? I, I understand. Well, yeah, so, you, really? so, so you're accepting three more movies? Yeah, exactly. Three movies <laughs> that he, he he's also of? starring in, right. Okay. <laughs> so he even directed? I don't know. Okay. You could do it. I'm looking at your handsome face. Okay. Aw. So I'm starting? Making me puke. His hand of his helping get through this. Okay, yeah, so Malcolm X. Malcolm X, okay. Oh, remember the Titans. Remember the Titans, okay. Abe, you're up. John Q. John Q. Training Day. Why am I blanking? What was the... It's not... I'm thinking Rain Man in my head right now, but I don't want to Rain say Man. that one. <laughs> I wish. I know, I can't think I of the had... title. I'm so... I mean, maybe oh if somebody Man. were to light a fire under your butt... Right, man on fire. Okay. <laughs> uh, glory. Uh, the hurricane. The Mancunian candidate. Uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Mobetta Blues. The Magnificent Seven. Virtuosity. <laughs> Fallen. I've fallen off of this game. Good job, you guys. What? what you mean? <laughs> like it's, I can think, but I'm gonna take a while. So just, yeah. I'm. That was a great transition. Okay. You're up. <laughs> hey. Um. Oh, I have one. Well, you have one. Yeah. What did say? Training day. I said that was the first you one did? I said. Okay, then never mind. <laughs> that would technically now you are out on your own accord. There you go. I am done. I right. am done. Did you guys say flight? Flight. No, no, flight. You're back in. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. You're back in. We'll, we'll allow it. I flew back in. I followed and then I flew back in. Yep. But I'm Um. Is it the preacher's wife? Yeah. There you go. The preacher's wife. The equalizer. Is it back to me? Yes. Yeah. Ooh, the equalizer. That's a good one. Another? Ooh. Huh? Huh? Two guns. Two guns. Two guns. <laughs> <laughs> Two guns. <laughs> That's a movie we talked about at some point. <laughs> Antoine <laughs> Fisher. Antoine Fisher. The Great Debaters. Is that Eli? Book what? of Eli. Book of Eli. There you go. And the last one he directed, Fences. Oh no, that wasn't the one I was gonna fall out of. <laughs> Devil in a blue dress. Okay. Did we say? Did you guys say Inside Man? No. No. Inside you Man. You keep coming up with more. Inside yeah. Man. Okay. Abe. Um. Courage Under Fire. All right. Um. Uh, Mississippi Masala. Going old. Malcolm X. You already said, said it. We did. Then I'm I'm done. <laughs> okay. This. <You're> done. <laughs> he 
He got right. game. That was fun. He got game. What'd you say? He got game. Oh, he got game. Um, um, oh, uh, what's it called? Um, the Shakespeare, Kenneth Branagh. Um, oh, what's it? It did, Joss Whedon just did it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know it? No. Um, I'm thinking about a train one instead, though. The Taken Papel of 1, 2, 3. There you go. You're welcome. There's more train ones. I know. I know. There's the other train one. Crimson Tide. Unstoppable. Um, you already said Devil in a Blue Dress? Yeah, I did. There's more Tony Scott films. There's one more Tony Scott film. Um, come on, Abe. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Deja vu. Uh, much ado about nothing is much the one I Much ado about nothing is the what you can one? think of. The bone collector. The bone collector. Ah. The siege. Just, that's the one. The bone collector and siege were the last two I to try to stay in. But... Carbon copy. American gangster. American gangster. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of time. Out of time. <laughs> we are now out of time with that game plan. All right. That was pretty that's... good though. Okay. The Pelican Brief. The Pelican Brief, yeah. <laughs> safe House, that's what I was trying to think of. See, no one is safe, no one is house. Yeah, I was like, what's that other movie that's almost like Two Guns? No one is safe, no one is house. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so that's games. That was games. Let's, um, I guess we'll move into, let's move into this stuff first, then we'll do La La Land last. Okay. Okay, so let's do a little Out Now, Presidential Town Now. Uh, these movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Uh, first up, we have Blair Witch. I mean, I hadn't, I didn't see it, but you guys said it got mixed reviews. I got, yeah, I, it, it's, it was fine to me. It was like a good one-time watch, essentially. Um, Denial. I heard that that one was frustratingly, like, not as good as it can yes. be. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like Tim, like there's Timothy Spall and Rachel Vi, they're like good in it, but the movie. It feels kind of TV-ish. So it's like, why isn't this better? Like, this is a good story. Um, middle school, the worst years of my life. Uh, I, didn't that come out in theaters, like, two weeks ago? It came out a little while ago, yeah. <laughs> but that's, quickly, that's a movie. We, yeah, quickly moved to DVD. Uh, All right. uh, let's see, Girls Season 5. And uh, lastly, Jerry Maguire, the 20th anniversary edition Blu-ray comes out this week. Wow, 20 years since Jerry Maguire came out. Since he showed him the money. And then Rod Tidwell went away forever. Yes, and to to which I said, show me the movie! No, you said you were going to get it on Blu-ray. Show me the (laughs) Blu-ray! Congratulations, Aaron, you're still my agent. <laughs> I got ants on my wall, Jerry. Okay. Uh, let's just do Rod Tidwell for like. Half yeah, we an hour. should just do Rod Tidwell. <laughs> so we tied the first game, and you won the last one. Yes. Okay. I don't think we like we came together with like the results. Oh yeah. All together. Oh yeah. I okay. crushed the Denzel game. Only by yeah. one. Congratulations, you get a. I named like four <laughs> more. Thank you. I named like four <laughs> more movies. Let me like by one. Yeah, but we named them together after the fact. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, let's do extremely cool. These are movies that are now on Netflix that I can recommend in some way. Uh, I got all the family classics. 
that came out, E.T., Hugo, Superman 1 through 4, Caddyshack, The Shining, Dreamcatcher. I believe it's and called The, the Shining because we don't want to get sued. Yeah, you know, all the family classics. Got yeah. all of them on there. Uh, so, yeah, those are, I saw all those are on Netflix. Like, that's a, that's a handful of movies. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, next week's show. Next week we'll be doing our top 10 films of 2016. That, that's always fun. That should be good fun. To do. <laughs> What's going on over there? Well, b- both of you are on your phones. So <laughs> I'm actually looking stuff up. <laughs> so yeah, that should no. That will be fun, and you know your listeners love listening to your guys' show. So that's gonna be a nice treat. Really wrap up the, you know, two days ago or well, it should be a week, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. No. We'll, yeah. <laughs> But no, this, this is, ideally this should give Abe enough time to see whatever he might want to see before uh, doing his top ten, right? That's right. The Little Prince on Netflix, which I still haven't seen. Yeah? Yep. So I gotta so, catch up. Okay. You were just talking about how these indie films and want to be able to see them. And there's some... It, it came I mean, out in theaters. Like... Or it, if it had been released by Paramount, I would have gone to see it in theaters. And then it came right. out on Netflix and I was like, well, I guess I'll watch it later. And it's a weird feeling. Like We should talk about this one time. But it's a weird feeling to actually have to watch things in theaters, uh, and then if you pay for something and you rent it at home, you feel like you're obligated to watch that too. But when you have like the streaming service that's always there, it's like, well, I guess I'll watch it later. It's a weird feeling. I guess so. Yeah. Anyway. Right. That's procrastination at its finest. And, and kind of knowing that it's still there is, is the <laughs> other thing. So... Before we get into our La La Land thoughts, let's do one last thing here. What should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Anna, what should people go and see in theaters right now? So right now, I guess La La Land's still in theaters, right? And maybe Lion, La La Land, Lion, A Monster Cause? Or was that yeah. January? It's, 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 it spreads next January, week wider. Yeah. yeah, it spreads wider okay. next week. So those would be my go-tos right now. What are you going to see next? I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. I'm just taking on the 2017. As it comes. As it comes. <laughs> Abe, how about you? Uh, I definitely recommend Manchester by the Sea. I've seen it twice now, and it uh, it's still very good. Um, you saw Manchester twice? You haven't seen Hunt for the Little People once? The movie's like 80 minutes. What can I say? I, have, I, I, I wanted to go see Manchester by the Sea and support it. That's, In any that's case, five hours of Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> yeah, it, well worth it, well worth it. And if you haven't seen Star Wars Rogue One, then go see Rogue One, because it's also it's a, a crowd pleaser. Um, what are you seeing next? Seeing next? Uh, I don't know, actually. You recommended Patterson. I've kind of heard mixed reviews, but uh, definitely it's going to be Hunt for the Wilder People. When you say mixed reviews, that, that accounts for the 5% out of the 95% of Rotten Tomatoes that loves Patterson? Well, just more All like, the awards it's getting? Kind of just going off of my Facebook feed and the, the folks that we know. So, anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna say something. <laughs> say it. <laughs> um. Uh, what do I have? I have um. Let's see. Yeah, monster calls, fence, fences, and hidden figures. Um, they're all. Uh, oh yeah. They're all out there in some capacity, spreading wider in various places. Um. Next, I don't. Once again, I don't know. We still might see Sing. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's a good family movie. Um. Um, yeah. we, we sing and we love my night. Well, so, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, we, yeah, it's like we've seen so many, many things, so we'll find out. It's a 
fresh slate, really, as I come out. Really just waiting for March. I'm not sure I'm screening it, so don't wait. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. That poster looks so cartoony. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a Nickelodeon movie. It is a Nickelodeon movie. No, like, Nick, Nick, VHS, Nick, like, you know, like, you go and buy it at the store, like, straight to video, like, and you get that cassette, it's orange. Yeah. That or- orange beach VHS cassette. That's... When, it, when it arrives on VHS. <laughs> It'll be an orange special edition Blu-ray. Uh-huh. Right? So, yeah. Rango's an orange Blu-ray. Oh, well, then there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much just waiting for March. Okay. What's happening in March? There's a lot of movies. There's okay. Beauty and the Beast. There's The Zookeeper. Kong. Life. There's Kong. Uh, what else was there? There was something. I believe it's called Kong There's a lot. Skull like, Island. Planet of the Apes yes, is I, in what? In July. In July. Okay. But yeah, there's, there's a past March month. There's, yeah, there's a lot of things going on in March. But uh, yeah, sure. we got all that to cover later on. Um, so yeah. With all that said, uh, let's move. Let's move in now. Let's get to, let's get some talk about um, about La La Land because I know Abe, you were able to see it uh, last week, right, or two yeah, weeks ago? Like yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and we wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about it now that we've all you know, we've seen it, and um, more people presumably seen it since it spread wider and what have you. <laughs> um, so uh, you want to start this one off, Abe? Any uh, any thoughts out loud that go? Well, I mean, there's a lot to unpack with La La Land, and if we're going with, um, we're going full on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the things to, to unpack are that, yeah, I mean, while it, it's, it's a movie that I really enjoy and whatever else, I certainly think that the, the singing and dancing aspects of things, I, I definitely liked uh, how they brought that back, but it wasn't the first time that they brought it back, uh, you know, nobody really saw... Hell Caesar, but Hell Caesar did have that aspect, and the look of Hell Caesar in those specific scenes was almost exactly the way that those 1940s movies were made. So I think that there's a lot more care on that front. That's not to say that that La La Land doesn't have its own thing going for it, but uh, I certainly felt as though it was a kind of a rehashing of that, and it's very much a, a Hollywood story in that it's a whole bunch of folks that can probably relate to it that are in Hollywood, because I didn't relate to it that much in terms of the, the actor and actress thing, but I certainly felt uh, Emma Stone's uh, issues. Uh, as for the ending, I know that you wanted to touch about that. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit the way that it was. I didn't really think that there was any uh, any weird Lewin Davis type thing going on, especially with like a wink and nod at the end there. Um But I, I didn't think oh, that... Yeah, Lewin Davis is like completely different. I mean, this is more of... This, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that because both have singing and whatever else in it. But when you watch Inside Lou and Davis, and then you, I think it was brought up by you first when I first heard it of the whole entire like, is it the same day? Like, is Lou and reliving the same day? It just happened that he was able to keep the cat in the the apartment this one time because there's not a whole lot that changes. He still goes to the club, gets punched in the face. Yeah, there, and, yes, it has. A, there's a right. cyclical nature to Lou and Davis. That's part of his struggle. Yeah. Uh, or this movie? No, this one's just. This you know, one's this like one's a just, straight. You know, this does a what if. Yeah, it this, does a what not, if this has a what if, which I which I enjoyed, and I love that uh, score by uh, is it Joe or uh, Justin Her Justin Hurwitz, um, great score. But I thought that it was a really fine ending, the way that it was, and it's it's an ending that I thought was uh, impactful because it left me leaving the theater and and thinking about it more in depth about. Um, 
just the way that it was uh, framed and the way that it was uh, decided to go in, uh, in this direction and manner because it could have easily ended the way that uh, maybe some people thought with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling getting back together and having a family and whatever else. But I love the way that it, it was kind of just like this this beautiful jazz uh, ending of, well, you know, we're just going to make a whole bunch of stuff and whatever comes together comes together uh, and it would be beautiful regardless of uh, the the blue undertones. So, well, it holds on. It holds on to the reality where you know it's it's five years later or whatever, and it's like she has a, a husband and a, and a child at this point. Right. So it'd be, it's like it, it's not going to be like, well, here's this guy again that I was with for a little while ago. I might as well. And then leaves her husband. Leave, to go. leave her husband and child so I can go back with Gosling again. But yeah, like they both yeah. Achieved, they both achieved their their dreams essentially. And yeah, it's just, and it's unfortunate that it, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine too. It's it's uh, they they. Uh, ultimately achieved their dreams, but they knew that they kind of had to do it without each other. And while it's a bummer, it's it's not as real as some other real things. Like, uh, Aaron, I've talked to you about this with uh, my sister's sister or my, my the Duplass brother movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where there's, like, a big fight in that movie, and it's not resolved by them talking it over um, in the next scene. It's actually resolved by them not talking to each other for, like, the span of, like, two weeks, and then it slowly builds. And uh, that's kind of usually what happens when you have fights with siblings. It's like, you don't sit down and talk about it in great theatrical fashion. It kind of just boils and subsides, and then you kind of just become go on continuing to be siblings. Or maybe you might have fights with Anna, I'm not sure. But uh, it's a little bit more real in that sense of, yeah, you're not going to get back together with this person, Ryan Gosling, or Emma Stone, because uh, you guys already had your goodbye, which is a really nice goodbye, and uh, you already had a really nice line of I'll always love you kind of thing, which uh, was really sweet, uh, and it kind of really added to the bittersweetness of the, the ending of the movie. But I'm glad that they didn't get back together, because that would have just been a really happy, poetic ending, which I wouldn't have enjoyed as much. Well, you mentioned something like mm-hmm. your sister's sister, and that's... The dupe, they, they operate in a level of reality. Like that's, you know, those, those kind of movies. There's, you know, this is a, this is a musical. It's a big. I mean, it's, you know, it, it has realistic ideas and what have you. It's grounded in a sense, but it is a, it is a movie musical where it has to have some. There's a level. There's a fantasticalness to it. Yeah, I mean, of that was the singing and dancing scenes or what have you. But there's also just the, the story itself, which I do applaud that it has a, a reality to the situation involving two people trying to accomplish their dreams. But it still holds on to the joy and the entertainment value that comes with a traditional musical to an extent. Yeah. What's also weird is that this felt like an unpacking of a lot of Hollywood movies uh, in that it's almost like, so this is what happened to Ryan Gosling's character in Drive before we met him. That's why he's so quiet now. Or (laughs) (laughs) or things like that where you can really extrapolate and make up uh, things about other Hollywood movies that would tie into this because it makes sense. And like, oh, this is what happened to uh, the the jazz band teacher from uh, Whiplash. He decided to move out to L.A. and open his own little jazz restaurant. So it's it's kind of funny. He would hate this restaurant. He wouldn't be sitting there like people play jingle yeah. bells on the keyboard on the dump. <laughs> I know this restaurant would disgust him. <laughs> Maybe it's what happened to him before he moved out to New York to go. No, meet. I just think the manager's played by by uh, Fletcher's twin brother. <laughs> the nicer twin, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the nice, yeah. yeah, the one who, yeah, the nicer one, the one that fires people on Christmas. The nicer twin. <laughs> he gave him a shot. He gave him a chance to redeem himself. I hope you have like you know, 
the best, or he said something. Yeah. But like, so I, when we were recording about La La Land, uh-huh. I definitely almost jumped in and talked about like, and you cut it out, thankfully. <laughs> but like, I think, I don't know, Abe, if you got this, like when you're listening to the music, where that opening number, Another Day, and a few other like uh, songs, the where the one they're like looking for the car. What's that one called? A lovely night. A lovely night. Uh, so like it, the songs, they kind of tease that this relationship's not really gonna work out. Yeah. Because like another day, it kind of starts off about a woman going on a Greyhound bus to leave like her longtime boyfriend to go pursue her dream, and then a lovely night, both Emma and Ryan are singing back and forth, which is it's kind of flirtatious and fun, but they're they're basically saying this could never be. This yeah. could never, you know, work out. That's and... what my friend was saying too. My friend had noted that there's the the lyrics to the songs kind of um, foreshadow what's going to happen. And I mean, that's what musical numbers do, though. So I was kind of curious if you kind of got that when you were watching it. Of like, this is probably is not going to have a happy ending. I didn't catch that, but when I was listening to uh, "City of Stars," when Ryan Gosling's kind of walking along the the, the mm-hmm. pier and dancing with him, I was like, "This is a hit." That's exactly what I thought. I was like, this song is a hit. I had my little cigar in my mouth and my little newsy hat on. I was like, this kid's going to be a star. But uh, no, I really, when I heard that song, I was like, oh, this is a really, a really good song. And again, the tranquilness of the song and whatever else. But again, the undertones of Damien Chazelle and his love for jazz. And it's not the first movie that he's done jazz with, right? So, but again, just the, the... What's the word I'm looking for? The connotations that you get when you think about jazz, it's not always clean and happy and happy-go-lucky. Contrast um, and compromise. Contrast and compromise. Speak. Sometimes it's a little, it, you could characterize it as cacophonous, but ultimately it comes together to make this almost beautiful, beautifully sad piece. And um, not always, but uh, again, when you when – you, I thought about uh, Kids on the Slope as well when I watched this because huh, – yeah. um, if you if you want to learn more about jazz and kind of how it works together in disunion, uh, I definitely would recommend that anime. It's only like twelve episodes, and it's from the guy who did Cabo Bebop and Samurai Champloo. But um, they talk about how jazz doesn't really you just, you just play music and whatever comes to you and how you feel. And I really appreciated that and how Ryan Gosling was trying to portray that to Emma Stone's character, uh, who is kind of this. Uh, she's an up-and-coming actress, and she she has uh, issues in terms of trying to believe in herself toward just this relentless negative stuff that's happened to her in casting auditions. But I mean, I again, it's it's a it's a music piece, and it's it's beautiful, and it's depressing, and it's you know it makes you feel a range of emotions all at once, which. I thought was something that you don't really get a whole lot of. Like even though it might have, uh, you might have gotten those undertones earlier on, earlier than I did in the movie. It's like mm-hmm. I just I, I did appreciate that. Hey, you did feel this this warmth, uh, and then you felt this uh, the cooling off period, and then you felt this uh, almost this epilogue of uh, of sadness and what could have been. But uh, and that's I, kind yeah. of that's kind of like you know a thought process as you know we, you know, grow up and everything is like the what could have been and what should have been. And if you wouldn't have done this instead, maybe this would have turned out that way. Right. And so I kind of like, I like the ending and that unfortunately, yeah, it's a breakup basically. Like they're not going to be together, 
but we get those images of them of like you know dancing around and going to the audition and going right. to Paris and everything worked out and they they eventually go home to the same home like I think it's kind of resembled to be in the same house that her now husband is right. and they have a kid and everything and unfortunately that's not what it is right. but it's really it's a nice piece to have to have that section of the movie pop in and not just like have them both stare each other kind of awkwardly while he's trying to play this, you know, piece in his jazz club yeah. and then just leave. And then somehow that's how the film ends. Like, it's really it's a nice. Yeah, like, they, did, they didn't have to screw over shades from that thing you do. That was nice. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that, it's a continuation of his story, too, because he ends up going to L.A. and marrying an, an actress. Yeah. Exactly. And see. I was just hoping that he was going to go up there and maybe they had a, a drum kit and he can just get he on the drums. Yeah. <laughs> and like, the, the not my tempo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> J.K. Simmons <laughs> is like critiquing them. Yeah, see, it's an all-in-one Hollywood movie. But I agree with you that... He's like, hey, man. <laughs> Steve Zod shows up. <laughs> why, why does jazz bars really turn to a 50s pop band? But all right. Well, Tom Hanks is there having a drink. Yeah. It's all you know, great. You know, it's... Uh, it's a Hollywood, it's a Hollywood ending that's breaking the usual mold of Hollywood endings, I guess. Which, which I, I talked about on the podcast before. To say it. But like yeah. usually you do get those happily ever afters, and so Damien Chazelle is breaking that mold in this film where you don't see the two leads, you know, fall in love like we're saying they. Right. All right, and I wonder if it's kind of like watching it a second time. You know, I heard like some of the audience reactions where they're like, oh that's not Ryan Gosling. Like that's not the husband and kind of like a little upset. It's just like, you know, you, you wish those two would have um, been together at the end. But I wonder if it's more of a relationship with them, with their own careers. Right. Yeah. The true romance, well, I it's guess. Their it's, dreams. It's, that's it's the their whole, dreams. It's their dreams. The idea right? that they followed right. their dreams. And that's why he even talks about before, you know, in their final kind of scene together is like, yeah. We don't know where we'll be, but what we know is what we have as far as what we can be doing. And things do work out for them in their own ways, mm -hmm. which is upsetting as far as we watched a movie about two people falling in love. and We don't ultimately get to see them continue to be in love, but we do get to see one person presumably have a better music career because of the whole John Legend thing, which did work out for him as far as making He got his jazz club. But he got right. a jazz club, and presumably he's more successful than he ever would have been at just mm -hmm. pining away. At Eventually random. he'll meet somebody. Yeah. And, and then Emma, she... Emma Stone became a popular actress, actress? and found a new, a new a husband, family? who she presumably loves just as much as she loved. Right. Kind of Rod Gosling for those few months. Right. And has a child, has a daughter. And it's just interesting because, like, that's what happens in life, though. That's, that's why you're talking about the reality you meet people, you get in relationships, and then sometimes they're kind of either there to kind of carry you through and help you see things in a different light and kind of pick yourself up and move on and you learn from things. Yeah. And that's what's nice about this this piece of film, like doing that. Yeah, and you know, it, there's like a, we have a lot of irons in the fire, and, and certainly uh, I want to bring this up before I forget, but it, it did remind me of 500 Days of Summer as well. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of <laughs> Actually, the way, well, the way that they break up you know, the year, right? So, yep. uh, and also the song and dance sequence is sure, but I, I think that there is that, that sense of reality when, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes to that, uh, engagement party. And I love that juxtaposition, but at the same time, yeah, man, like it happens. If you're a jerk to people, it's not as though they're going to be receptive and, and just continue to be okay with you being a jerk. If you're, in a uh, relationship, especially if you're in a relationship with somebody, but 
Yeah, for that's this what one. I liked about 500 uh-huh. Days of Summer, that scene where I was telling Aaron where the perspective, his perspective, and right. then what's actually happening. Yeah, like real, yeah. And reality versus expectations. Exactly. And that's basically La La Land in a way of like expectations. Oh, there's a lot in comedy on, you know, they're both a celebration of LA in the yes. way as well. Yeah. Like, so, Aaron yeah. also brought up where it's like, it'd be a great, be a great double, double feature. feature. Yeah. It would be if you want to be depressed, but. Uh... <laughs> I wouldn't say they're depressed. I don't feel depressed. There's, there's dramatic elements, but I don't yeah. walk out of those movies not yeah. being happy. Uh, La La Land, it kind of it had me feeling not not depressed, but it had me pondering, right? So that's well, that's a good that's a good feeling. yeah, of course, not, yeah. And that, that's, it's not like I mentioned that know. in my in my initial review last week of just like I, I really like when movies make me think after the fact because that means that they have a, a pretty lasting impact, and that's partially why I went to go see Manchester by the Sea again. Of just uh, again, I thought that the acting was really terrific, and I wanted to see if it would hold up a second time because sometimes you're just blown away. And you want to see if uh, if it was real or if it was just because the initial impression and it held up. So, uh, but anyway, back to La La Land. Um, you guys were talking about uh, uh, basically how they they could be together, but it wouldn't have been their they wouldn't have fulfilled their dreams, which is kind of an unfortunate thing because that's what their fight is all about, right? Um, right. Their fight when he comes back for a surprise like anniversary yeah. dinner. And she asks him, like, I don't understand, you know, you wanted to be this real jazz musician and here you are playing all these, like, ridiculous show tunes. Um, and he's like, well, isn't this what you wanted? Like, you wanted me to get a job, right? So I have this job. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a matter of the music. It's a matter of the his choice to – he's not doing any – he's not – he's seeing – he seems like he's not going to choose anything but doing this tour and doing the album and doing more tours as opposed to doing the club. Which is what his dream was. Like, yeah, she basically right. seems like he's selling out of, like, not following his real dream of jazz and, like, doing this weird, like, jazz pop-ish. Right. Or, like, electro-funk Electro-funk, type of... yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which which I thought was hilarious when, I, I love when he goes into audition with with John Legend, and then John Legend turns on the uh, the the mixer, and it's like, yes. oh my gosh, this sounds that was, awful. That was that was his most nice guys moment in that movie, where Gosling <laughs> making like a face, just like doing a, a little comedic beat. <laughs> that, that felt like that felt like something straight out of Nice Guys. When I was yeah, watching that like, part. where did that come from? Like, <laughs> also, also, Ryan Gosling. Well, we talked we talked about that in our in the other episode though, where I because I. I don't think it's that the music is bad. It's certainly it's different from his style. It's but different it, from his style, right? But it's extreme. But it's not jazz. Okay, we're talking about film and like the the music here, jazz. But it's not older a, jazz, but that's no, the idea of jazz. It's right? not that's, real that's jazz. That's what I like about John Legend's explanation of it, right? <laughs> Which is like, hey man, jazz isn't the past. Jazz is the future. And again, you just have to constantly reinvent things to keep it fresh. But at the same time, like you don't have to go away from the classics. You can. You can uh, you can reinvent in, it basically, right. or just have your own style, you know. And that's that's what I liked about John Legend's uh, presence in the movie of just saying that you're thinking about this one dimensionally. You should really think about it two or three dimensionally because how you're thinking about it is this outdated way of thinking about it. And those guys will never die, like you know, uh, all those legends on your the le- wall, yeah, the legacies those, of those people, yeah, all those uh, collectibles that you've been collecting. Those aren't gone, but they've influenced the way that we're doing it now. And sure, it might not be his his ideal representation of jazz, but for him in the movie, it paid the bills. And unfortunately, that's what he thought Emma Watson or Emma Watson, uh, Emma <laughs> Emma Stone. Yeah, that's a that's a Freudian slip because I'm in love with Emma Watson. 
Um, <laughs> but it's what he thought Emma Stone wanted. And same thing, right? So she thought that she wanted to be this actress, and she tried it, but then she was like, well, I can't do it, so I'll just create my own play, and I'll star in it, and nobody's going to come to see it, uh, which is unfortunate. But, uh, yeah. It, well, it's, the right one person came to see it. That is true, yeah. But, you know, it, it's almost like... Uh, I mean, we keep on coming back to it, but it's almost like life, and not that life has all these fantastical, serendipitous moments, but just more of, mm. well, you know, yeah, in the right moment, somebody might be there to watch your play, even though it sucked, or you might have thought that it sucked. Um, but it's also like, I, I, I often found that it was, uh, while it was grounded, it was also whimsical and fanciful, uh, and you know, I, there are other movies that are way more grounded than this, sure, but are you going to have as much fun, you know, tapping your feet and listening to the songs in, in those other movies? Probably it not. On I mean, them, yeah, because this, right. is, this is a musical. That's right. what this movie is. Yeah, I and mean, I think like, Abe said it great words, like, it's about influences, right? The whole jazz portion you were talking about and influences and not, you know, doing way of where it came from and where it started, but like reinventing it and everything. That's what Damien Chazelle is doing with La La Land. It's right. not Singing in the Rain. It's not Carousel. It's not any of the you know West Side Story. It's taking you know homage to these older where it came from, older and, classics, yeah. and reinventing it for the modern audience. Right, right. Which, exactly which is why it feels really angle. familiar. It's, right. Yeah, it's I true. mean, like you guys watch it and I watch it, and we probably thought of a lot of movie references. Like again, we unpacked all this stuff, and um, that's why it doesn't feel brand new. And that's why I see like I, I have said that. There's mm-hmm. other movies that have done it better, but again, I don't think anyone's going to watch Hail Caesar and be like, man, I could have really done with more of that Cold War story. It's like, no, probably not. I mean, people, that's probably what turned people off. Uh, but uh, again, they did, like, the Coen brothers did such an amazing job with the choice of footage, like, film that they used and the, the way that they shot it and the color, the correction and whatever else. Like, it looked phenomenal. Uh, but. Again, I agree with you. That... You bring it up like you're bringing up Hail Caesar. I mean, there's there's only like two musical scenes in that movie with what Channing Tatum and Scarlett Johansson. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm also talking about the way that uh, like a callback to those 1940s movies of just yeah, that's the movie. I mean, the movie that movie is a direct homage to that's the correct. golden age of Hollywood. Right. Oh, and it's bring it's there's a there's a level of, there's obviously you can recount certain films from them but like it is presenting it in a new way just based it off is. the direction like yeah, the, like it, the Cohen the Cohen style is very much evoking those 50s musicals in terms of like how they're edited and directed yep. this is a movie where you have cameras going into pools and spinning around doing things that oh, you can't yes, you can't do that with, with films of the 50s and yeah, 40s agreed. like it which is, is the, which is why I, I love Daniel's interpretation of it of just hey this is Damien Chazelle's taking of it right so this is this is how i'm From a directional viewing, standpoint yeah this is how i'm viewing really jazz nowadays uh, and this is how i'm gonna uh interpret it for my audience so again yeah because uh, what really you're like seeing about that pool scene like that hasn't left me even the second time like mm-hmm. even when i hear that song come up someone in the crowd like i end up thinking of that scene and how the camera swoops and then it goes into the pool and pops back up and it starts up again well, like even, you know when you're listening to music you kind of just have that cue yeah and so like i end up just thinking and so that's a great impression to keep on someone as an audience of like having that so like it's not just i know some people may think the story's weak there's they're not great at senior dancers whatever and other things and it's not it's not a musical musical it's it's you know kind of giving a thank you 
Yeah, and a summer. love letter, like some people are saying, to mm-hmm. L.A., the cityscape, the landscape, uh, and also musicals and everything. But I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad we're talking about it. I, I, all I really want to talk about really was the how they broke up and they weren't going to be together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, because a, that's that the was, thing to spoil. Yes. That was the thing that was like when we were talking in that podcast, Abe, like I just wanted I, – like, I basically said something about the movie yeah. in regards to – because of how the songs kind of tease that they're not going to be together. Because right. that's what – I feel like songs are part of the musicals of doing. And so it kind of came out. So that's why I'm glad we kind of just let it out. Finally, in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Did it. And talking about jazz, uh, there's actually, I've been, I was going to tell you, Aaron, like I want to see his first film and it's t- called Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. Yeah. And it's about a musical romance centering on a breakup of a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. And so That'd be something to probably check out. And Sounds maybe like a date between too. you two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's getting yeah, a little feisty over there. A little See. hot. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like uh, if he was Big Adventure, I feel like that kid's like, I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> and then Pee-wee tells him to just get the hell out of the bike shop. <laughs> Talk to Dottie. I'm a rebel daddy. A loner. But like, just... <laughs> But talking because you brought up like jazz and like yeah. you know so definitely Again, I, I don't I don't think that the movie like the movie is heavily influenced by Chazelle's uh, love of jazz and oh, again definitely. just the way that that it plays and whatever else which I which I loved a lot I love when you take other art forms and you can express it uh, in movies which is um, I was thinking about a movie earlier or or when I first saw La La and I can't think about it right now but uh, where I was like oh well I can definitely feel that this director is taking elements that he loves, like, uh, what was it? The Goonies? Uh, yeah, it was The Goonies, and I was like, yeah, he really loves action-adventure and and uh, old women being really mean and crude. <laughs> but anyway, if I think He's about it, I'll, guys, I'll, so I'll tweet it out. But They're um, long-lasting. Yeah. Impression. Yeah, but anyhow, I, I certainly liked it. I thought there was really good direction in it, too. I mean, I couldn't tell if there was trickery in the first opening sequence there's not it's that's really just one take yes friend of the show alex billington confirmed that when he was on the podcast talking about it congratulations to jamie because i was like there's there could be some clever editing here uh kind of like uh, birdman what's that (laughs) but there isn't isn't, yeah (laughs) Um, right like he was talking how it was a one day they only had one day to have that shut down right and they did a lot of rehearsal and everything beforehand and he had his phone and he was kind of like, let's well, just do phone, this. They, they, their, he used his phone for the rehearsals. Right. And then he, then they did it for real on the freeway and everything. And that was it. Yeah. They wow. took that take. I mean, and that that's was... pretty amazing. But the other... And see, that's what, we're, that's what Aaron's kind of saying. Like, this is... Like, you regardless if people don't like... Older. No, you don't. If people don't yeah. like the film, regardless... It's more about taking the cinema, like, you know, aspect of it. Because you definitely didn't get this, you know, with the other films in the 30s, 40s, 50s as much. Yeah. There's they did some fun like trickery with things like uh, gosh, what's the moon one? George Millet. We were just watching. Oh yeah. Like there's some trickery with like film there. Like you can appreciate. Oh, yeah, there's all, yeah, there's certainly all kinds of things throughout the decades. Right. Film, you can appreciate how directors yeah. approach certain things. And so it's exactly just, with yeah. La La Land. So like that yeah, the yeah. scene and the one that you like with the uh-huh. pool. I I mean I thought that the first like 30 minutes was great for all the singers and dancers that uh, have been trying to break onto the screen because that's that's just just a whole bunch of dancers uh, and the other thing that i'll quickly point out is uh i don't know you mentioned like the pool sequence and so did you aaron 
but I love the freeze frame thing. Like, he didn't actually freeze frame anybody, he just told everybody to stop moving. Which, yeah. mm-hmm. in Hollywood, you could easily be like, oh, well, we'll just freeze frame it, and then we'll shoot uh, Emma Stone walking through, so everyone's, you can see it, that people are, are not blinking or not breathing. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's this beautiful thing, and uh, what's that movie, Anna Karenina, who directed that? Joe... Joe Wright. Joe Wright. Joe Wright, he has d- beautiful choreography in his movies as well. And oh, yeah. that reminded me of something that Joe Wright would do. Um, but again, Chazelle does uh, different things with it. But I love when when people take those t- chances, and that's what that's why I think that people should go see these directors that have done independent films and whatever else that are doing somewhat of a of, of a larger scale film with more notable actors. But um, yeah, man, like film is just. It's like sometimes it's just a blank canvas, and you should get away from the things that that are uh, repetitive and boring. I'm not saying that those aren't entertaining movies, but no, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and yeah. that's I mean that's why I wanted to talk about Silence a bit more last week oh, until we I haven't seen that yet. That. but like it's because it's it's not at all like well, it's probably the exact opposite of all of it sure. actually, but yeah. like. You're talking about cinema, mm-hmm. and it's not like Scorsese's new to this, or no. like he's not been. It's not like it's not like he's you know slacking and just giving up. Like right. he's trying things all. The, you know, he's in his mid seventies. He's trying new things all the time, and right. that's a movie where it's so like it's so unlike not only just movies but his own movies in general, where it's impressive to see a man that's making something that feels like you know, real cinema. Now, it's it's not as joyous and entertaining as something like La La Land, which has its own way of matching up with right. what like, true cinema feels like. But it is. It, it feels like a like a, like a a 50s Bergman film, like a foreign Scandinavian movie more yeah. than anything else you'd see, because it it's so concentrated and focused on, on you know, specific ideas involving these characters and less about like traditional ways of developing them and telling an A to B to C narrative. Exactly. It, yeah. it does that to a point, but it's the it's that journey that you're going on and the way he's approaching it and the things he's doing. It's stuff like that. Like I, if the movie wasn't like a punishing two hours and forty minutes, I'd probably want to see it again. Which you probably will when we can get it on like Blu-ray or something to review or whatnot, and we'll right. watch it. Me, oh yeah. And um, it's just it's it it's a it's a really like neat way of of watching something come to life in the same yeah. way that La La Land I think is a neat way of watching something come to life. Yeah. And it's, why those films are very high as far as what I'm praising at the end of this year. Absolutely. Other things, which I really enjoy, but certainly it's not. You mean end of last year. End of last year, yeah. End of last year, <laughs> I mean, sorry, but, like, I could talk all, I could talk a bunch about, like, why Civil War is just a really solid Marvel, enter- our Marvel movie, but it's, you know, it's not as if, like, I, I need to, like, give undue praise to that, where it's like, yeah, right. I've seen 13 other versions which of that movie, too, including right. one that came out in the same year as that movie, so it's like, right. um, yeah. what else am I really going to talk about there, which is, you know, fine as far as, like, that was fun, but, like, here's some movies, guys. Yeah, like, exactly, yeah, right. and that's why I actually, uh, I agree with you, that that phrase, that sentiment right there, here's some movies, guys, I, I definitely agree with that, and what, uh, what's what been great about the end of 2016 is you had a huge slew of movies that were that were their own. And what I'm talking about yeah. is like something like Jackie. We, sh- we talked about it very briefly, but Jackie is a slice of life into, really, into depression and into grief. And that was oh, yes. fantastic. It's not mm-hmm. about John Kennedy. It's not about Robert Kennedy. It's not about anybody but Jackie and how she dealt with grief. In three phases, really, in one of, like, uh, in one by herself, you know, when she's drinking alone in the White House, which is incredibly difficult to watch because 
what's sad is like there's secret service agents that are standing in corridors and you see them in the right. background and she's, and she's, walking she's still just like aimlessly. playing music really loud really uh, grief stricken there's another of her outwardly expressing herself as first lady and still kind of having to hold it together and then there's also her with like the reporter and basically like this is the true me how I am now I'm still bitter about how things are going to be working out but that's why I love Jackie and then you have something like Manchester by the Sea, which is not straight storytelling. They could have done all the, the early sequences, or I'm sorry, they could have done all the flashback sequences in the first part of the movie so that it plays like traditional movies, but the way that they do it, it's so earned. It's so earned the way that you see how Casey Affleck's character has been affected by the city that he... What happens, yes. Yeah, by, by, that he loves and hates. And the, and the way that it comes about, it's like... I didn't even expect it to come out that way. Like I was, <laughs> I was, ex- I was watching the movie, and you just see Casey up like going out to go get some more beer, and then I was like, "Holy fucking shit! This is incredible!" The way that Kenneth Lagerman, like, it's brilliant the way he did it. So I agree with you, Aaron, wholeheartedly that these are some movies, and this is this is why I appreciate something like La La Land just to bring it back. Of it's it doesn't have to play traditionally, like, and the way that's why I love Whiplash too. Is like, I had so much conflict in that movie. It's like, well, did Needlemeyer win or did uh, the other guy win? Because I don't know who's who's on top here, and that's where it really blurs. And that's why I enjoy goes back going back to Tyler's question. It's like, uh, or Adam's question. I'm sorry, Adam's question of like, you know, independent movies. Like, you should go see them because they help present, they help you appreciate things that that directors are doing and what these artists are doing and. While I'm not a huge, uh, I haven't seen as many as Anna or Aaron, like the ones that I have seen, I like to vary it up because it really helps to appreciate, you know, even something like, uh, you know, uh, something, even when you watch older movies, like, it just helps you appreciate uh, what people are trying to do. And listening to how people uh, have created it, it's like, it actually really uh, adds a lot, which is why I love director's commentary. And I know, Aaron, you, you love them too. Yeah. Um, but. Because it definitely dives into more, like, we're talking about, like, cinema, there's just so much with cinema. It's yeah. not, I mean, I guess if you want to talk about what is, like, the average, average viewer, maybe they're just going for the in- entertainment value, right? right. Whereas, like, Which is nothing wrong There's with. nothing, yes, wrong, with nothing wrong with that. And where we, like, we definitely dive into more of, like, whether it's the direction, the cinema, like, the score, the cinematography, right. sound design, like, there's so much more that there's I There's a lot think... of ways to appreciate different things. Yeah, there right. are certainly, you know, someone like you or me... Who have professions that are <laughs> that you know we're crazy enough or like we want to pursue this more so we want to we want to analyze on a deeper level right. or Abe you and I we uh, want to like yeah. have a show talking like, about movies I, weekly. I'm a pretty casual moviegoer compared to you, and I still consider myself like like I don't do this professionally. I have a regular nine to five job. No, but you do like but, you do a weekly podcast with me where right, we analyze right. films together. I yeah. mean, it's, it's and again, so, uh, I mean, we're all here on a level where we're we're not just going for the entertainment value solely like there is that entertainment you know that's there but like as well you're taking because i really enjoy production design and score and cinematography whereas aaron maybe is just like it's sound design is one of your things and cinematography as well and you know so like an abe i'm not too sure what your like three (laughs) would be it's a lot of Um, cinematography score and uh it's actually production design so for example, yeah, just, like uh, in Jackie, like to get all those pieces in the background, like nobody really thinks they thinks about like uh, a what call it, like 
I don't know. Like, in Manchester by the Sea, there's a scene where Casey Affleck is talking to his boss, and his boss is like, hey, stop being so mean to the tenants. It takes a lot of effort to create that mess of paperwork in the background. Like, that's actually a thought mm -hmm. that people think about. And that's, uh -huh. what I, that's what I like about uh, production design. So Yeah, uh, that's what like, I think about here. It's great. Yeah. And so, so yeah, because yeah. with Lolly and like, whether or not people liked it or not and are unhappy with it, bending, being unhappy, there's so much more to take away from cinema yeah. than just that. Like, you shouldn't, like, have to, like, leave the theater and be like, oh, my gosh, they didn't end up together. It's like, how about we just sit and have a conversation, you know, moment and just, like, talk about whether – the camera, how it was moving, or, you know, something right. else. Yeah, and, and that's, that's actually really why I like uh, Leica quite a bit. Uh, Aaron likes Leica <laughs> quite a bit as well. But, mm -hmm. again, Leica takes chances. They Kubo cost $65 million to make. I think they only made, like, 59 or $60 million, But they're still going to make movies and keep on trucking. You know, it really is unfortunate that something like uh, uh, Secret Life of Pets makes, like, hundred plus million dollars because it's just more quote unquote approachable and family friendly. But right. in terms of storytelling and whatever else, like go see these types of movies like La La Land or mm -hmm. uh, anything that we mentioned. Uh, again, we're, we're not knocking. I enjoy I enjoy Scream studio Four. Studio films are fun. Yeah, you know, I, they I, are. Aaron hated really Scream Four. I thought films. it was I thought it was a fun romp. But uh, you know, it's just like. Well, like we talk about our top tens next week. I mean, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all over the place with what I got on there. It's but like, so it's difficult because this hey. is a really good year for for movies, and it was. It, I was thinking about it. I was like, there were movies back dating to like January that I really liked, um, mm -hmm. and it's it's strange now because there are so many good movies, and January is not just like a dumping ground anymore because sometimes there's like one gem in there. So okay, I'm looking at my my top thirty. I'm looking at my top. Yeah, thirty. I've like, been they're trying, from, like I've they're been, from all over the year. Like yeah. there's not there's not a there's not a chunk of movies that came out in. In fact, there's a lot of ones that came out at the beginning of the year. That, yeah, that I know. Didn't like, leave. Midnight <laughs> Special is going to be up there for me. I don't know where it's going to fall, but that came out in like what March? March. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, like, there's movies that are coming out pretty early nowadays. Um, you'll, you'll see next week when we talk about. All that. <laughs> so I'll have to think about it too. But you know, again, just to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Just to wrap it up with La La Land, I, I liked the way that they ended it because I think that it was uh, symbolic of uh, real life to some degree. I know that it's yeah. it's staged in its performance, but uh, yeah, man, like it it had me thinking about people that that uh, I had been dating in the past and whatever else too. So it's kind of like one of those movies that kind of just linger with you on that regard. Unless you reflect on your own life. Yeah, not so deeply. I mean, but. You know. <laughs> Not to say that I'm like ultra, ultra vain and, and conceited. You're thinking about like your I, past I, relationships. I, I, do, I do miss visiting your club, Abe's. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I got that from an ex-girlfriend. You know, so I, I just hope that she goes in one day and sees that like I stole it from her and oh, it, has, it has sue me. It has a ramen noodle as an apostrophe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nissen. Niss, I hope Nissen doesn't sue me. And then he has another place called a burrito. Yeah. Yep. That's my. That's my, right. uh, my Brazilian <laughs> barbecue shop. This uh, this goofiness symbolizes the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say right now, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find all of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find all my movie reviews as well as my top 10 films of the year list over at ysalu.com. You can find me writing at Screen Rant. And you can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find me over at Instagram, Oakley Doakley, and Twitter.com slash Walrus Moose, hashtag... 
Uh, hashtag uh, Mom Snoopy Minute. <laughs> Anna? You can um, find me on Twitter at Right to Recite, or definitely just go to the Newport Beach Film Festival website and kind of, you know, what do you call it? Search. There you go. <laughs> 2017. Wow. Thanks uh, to my mom again for joining us and talk fences mm-hmm. and more. That was a lot of fun. And uh, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now There to Nave over on iTunes and on Audio Boom. You can also <laughs> listen to our old episodes over at uh, HHWLOD, Podomatic, and SoundCloud. Feel free to email us any of your thoughts that you might have had on fences, La La Land, or anything else we discussed on today's podcast over at Audio over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. I will. <laughs> Tell us why we should uh, watch more mainstream movies or continue watching all movies over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, there's our Tumblr page. You can send us all the gifts you want of Denzel, Denzel doing his Denzel, Denzel thing. Denzel in guarantees. the rain in the equalizer <laughs> pulling his little gun up. Over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, Anna... Thank you for joining me today, well, and Abe, of course. thank you. No, thank you, too, for having me again. It was fun. I'm glad we got to spoil La La Land. You're, yeah, never, was... gonna, you're never allowed to be on again. I'm just... Okay. That's not true. <laughs> <sighs> I've been... I'm done. That's not true. <laughs> There's other podcasts, you there know. There are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah Anna's Movie gonna... Minute. That's the new podcast. <laughs> we, got our, we got our top ten coming next week. That we should do. be a lot of fun. Well, uh... We're going through all that. That'll take some time as well. As yeah, we we'll have to see how it works out. Usually we have – we record with multiple guests and we kind of piece it together because not everybody can make it at the same time. So well, we uh, might we'll do that again, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think that's going to do it. So until happy next – Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy, happy New, New Year to all. Happy New Year. Happy 2017. We'll be we'll bit up a new contest at some point because contests are fun to do. And it uh, be good to start the year off right with some fun contests. <laughs> Also be good to get some new iTunes reviews, so maybe those will go hand in hand. <laughs> and yeah, so that's gonna do it for this week. So until next time, so long. And happy new year. I mean goodbye. Fiverr? I do. Babe, pig in the city. <laughs> Eat it! <laughs> <laughs>